Hello, and welcome to another episode of Melanin Macabre. I am one of your hosts, Amy Ramirez, with... Kristen Porter, a.k.a. KP. Oh, that's new. I didn't know that. That's cool. Oh, I should... so you used to call me that at my old job, and I kind of like it. I so. wish you told me that, so I would have come up with like a cool nickname, too. Um, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. Uh, um, and this is a special um, emo kids episode, I guess. Yep. In honor of the fact that me and Amy and our other friend Amanda have tickets to go to the When We Were Young Festival to relive our emo preteen glory days. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. So uh, today, yeah, we're going to be fe- uh, featuring two stories of two prominent figures in the. I want to say like early, no, I want to say maybe like mid 2000s to mid early 2010s, um, like just prominent figures in the emo and scene scene. Yep. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, So yeah, so that's what we're going to be featuring today. So um, it is, I mean, I don't know about you, Kristen, but my stories are, my story is pretty disturbing. Um, I will say we should probably actually start this off. Um, and we'll put it, we'll put it in the info of the episode as well, but a huge, huge, huge trigger warning, um, mm. for this episode. There are definitely, there are testimonials of, um, of victims who've, uh, been victims of sexual assault. Um, mm-hmm. so definitely a big trigger warning. Um, we'll also give a trigger warning before we get to, um, the, the sexual assault. Uh, I don't know. I hate the, seeing the word details, but just like. I'm not going to get into too many details. Um, I try to keep the, the the jargon I use, like legal jargon or just straight mm-hmm, to the point same. jargon. So I, you know, it, I, I've read too many testimonials of sexual assault today. So yeah, yeah I want to keep uh, the, de- the, the details of the events to a limit just to be respectful to the victims and also to anybody who um, is also a, a, has been a victim of sexual assault. So, um, but yeah, so it is going to be a very heavy episode today. Um, and so, you know, please be, you know, we'll just, I don't know what to say, actually. Just be, just please be aware um, and feel free to skip this episode entirely. Yeah. Um, if, if the content is just, is too intense. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I kind of <laughs> had a brain fart for a second. Oh, that's okay. Um, so we're definitely going to need a really big hooray or definitely big positive at the end of this episode. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So hope you have yours ready. I don't have a lot of positives for this week, but I'll find something. <laughs> I'll find something. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll pull something out of, I'll pull something out. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess we should just start with what we usually do is just kind of just like a really quick catch up. I know last week's episode, our catch-up was like 20 minutes, so we'll make sure to keep it short <laughs> yeah. this time. Um, but Kristen, yeah. you and I caught up before recording, but is there anything you want to catch us up on or catch me up on um, of anything you did um, this past oh. week? Yes. Um, so two things. I've started watching... Okay, so I have a guilty pleasure, although I don't know if it's actually guilty pleasure, guys. I have no shame in admitting that I love watching like love and romance shows so i've absolutely like the bachelor? So i don't even know why i know you like the bachelor, the bachelor yeah. yeah the bachelor which is currently on love is blind um, oh i've heard of love is blind Netflix. 
Yeah, I love the first season, and the second season came out last week. Is that the and one? I binged it. Sorry, is that the one with Nick Lachey and Vanessa? Yep. Okay. Yeah, and so and then they just released part two yes or not yesterday Friday. So I binge watched all of that <laughs> when it came out. Um, I was just very excited the whole season because I have like very strong thoughts um, on the couples. So that was just a really that was an exciting. Uh, thing that was, that's been going on and then also um I've started I decided that I'm gonna start like reviewing all the movies I watch on this website called Letterbox, and it's basically like um IMDb except it's like it's very similar to IMDb but it's powered by the user's reviews of the movie right and you can make like playlists um and you can like log all the movies you watch so I kind of want to start just like keeping a log and a public um, log of all the movies I watch and review them. So I've started doing that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's it. I don't think anything, like, super, like, exciting has happened in the past couple... I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't think anything super exciting has happened <laughs> other than... I mean... Other than I've just been... Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, did I interrupt you? I was, I was gonna say, I was just... I've just been looking forward to all of my different romance shows. So I've been watching The Bachelor and screaming at the TV. Um... And Love is Blind. Love Island. I was I just caught up with Love Island. Is that the British one? Um, I was watching the American one, oh. but they do have a UK version, okay. which I have yet to watch, but that's on my list. I heard that one's really good. I heard that one's, like, super trashy. Yeah. That's, I want to watch that one next. Um, so, yeah. I'm just, like, taking it all in. There's also F-Boy Island on HBO Max, which I started oh, and I have not I've finished. Oh, I've heard of, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm trying to watch, I'm trying to watch all these shows. So, that's my update. Um, see, okay. So two things. The first thing is, I think it's really awesome that you're going to be reviewing movies. I really wish that I had a critical art for, like, oh, God. A critical eye for art. <laughs> I cannot talk. Yeah. Um, it's okay. Yeah, a critical eye for art. Like, I really, I couldn't I couldn't tell you. I'd be like, the movie was good. It done. No, I, I don't either. Trust me. My first review was literally just like, this is a good movie. You should watch it if you like, like you should watch it if you like Scream. And then my next one was like, eh, I didn't like it. Um, and then I just like listed off a couple of things that confused me. Yeah. But because that, that was my first worry was that I don't watch movies with an analytical eye like that. Mm-hmm. And I can't be like, oh my God, the allegorical, whatever. I can't do yeah. any of that. But, so I just, I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to write down whatever I'm feeling. I'm not going to worry about sounding like a uh, film critic. Yeah. You know? Well, that's pretty cool though. Yeah. Uh, and the yeah. second thing I was going to say was that I am surrounded by people who watch The Bachelor and Love Island and shows like that. And I just can't. I mean, granted, like, I definitely, like, I'm a fan of trashy television shows as well. Like, I love me some 90 Day Fiance. I love me some My Big Fat Fabulous Life with a train wreck that is Whitney Way Thor. Like, I I love all those, like, trashy TLC shows. But Mm -hmm. The Bachelor is just one of those shows where I know, like, oh, like, if I watch one episode... It's just going to take me to, like, a rabbit hole of The Bachelor in Paradise, The Bachelor or whatever. Oh, yeah. So I really, like, I know myself and I'm like, if I watch this, it's done. Like, all of my, pro- like, any productivity that I had left is going to yeah. be, like, out the window. Well, to be fair, you, you, there's actually, it's actually kind of hard to find The Bachelor unless you're watching it live. Like, 
Um, they only just within the last like couple of years started putting like more than one more than the current episode mm-hmm. like on streaming sites. So like you can only find like a hand like l- maybe less maybe two or three seasons of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette um, even on streaming. Yeah. Because um, like even like I think like three four years ago. I could only the only way I could watch it was on Hulu, and they only kept the episodes on Hulu for like um, a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think I remember that. I think I've seen a couple of the Bachelor spinoffs on Hulu. Yeah, yeah, but they do have all of the Bachelor in Paradise. So you will fall down that rabbit hole. Yeah, see, that's what I'm trying to avoid. You know, I'm trying <laughs> to avoid that. Um, that's awesome. Well, I'm happy for you. That sounds great. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. What's going on with you? Um, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot. My life is actually a little messy right now, a little train wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As I was telling Kristen before, I'm not going to get into too many details because I want to respect my brother's privacy, but my, my brother had mm-hmm. a little fender bender. And so that's probably the most recent hot garbage mess that's popped into my life. <clears throat> but um, Kristen, you remember when I sprained my ankle in September? Yes. So it's been... Um, bothering me ever since. So I sprained my ankle oh, walking no. my dog in September. And I am, for those of you guys that actually pro- everyone probably already knows because I talk about it all the time, I am on a CrossFit fitness journey. And so I am very active these days. And so basically when I sprained my ankle walking my dog, I did all the whole thing, like the rice method, you know, elevating it. Um, all that stuff, but I'm a teacher, so I'm on my feet all day. And then also, you know, just being an active person, it's just, it was just really hard not to have my feet on all day. I did go to see a doctor in November. I took x-rays. They found that there was nothing broken and they were just like, you know, just wear a brace if it bothers you. And then, you know, you know, just, you know, just try to keep off of it. You know, maybe not don't jump on things do whatever. And so I was doing all that. And then it was still bothering me. And I found that like when I would wear like boots, like the ball of my ankle, if like it rubbed up against something, it would get really irritated. I also found that like if I was on my feet all day, like as a teacher, I think by the end of the day, my ankle would hurt. Um, but I could still walk on it. I could definitely put weight on it. And it's not a pain that would happen like all the time. It was just very. And also, like, it really depends on the, like, on the, on the activity. And I really can't pinpoint it because I've mm-hmm. been trying to work on, like, double unders, which is basically where you do, like, a jump rope. But instead of, basically, before your feet land the, on the ground, you're doing, like, the double loop. And so I've been mm. working on stuff like that. And, like, that hasn't irritated my ankle. But then, like, sometimes just standing on it for a long period of time. Mm. So it was just really weird. So then finally, I decided to go to um, a sports medicine doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I have tried to make this appointment a bajillion times. Um, their offices are in V are, I'm not gonna say the name of the city, but it's in like maybe like 30 minutes away from my town and mm-hmm. they close at four. So I have to leave work early to get there. So oh, I've canceled the, I've canceled every schedule twice. I one time forgot to make the appointment cause I thought it was on a Friday, but it was really Wednesday. So I drove all the way to that town to just to find out that I turned back around because I, the appointment day was wrong. Dang, I, that's happened yeah. to me before. Well, I finally made the appointment on Friday. I had to pay a $40 copay just to be seen for five minutes. But basically what they found was I actually have broken ligaments in my ankle. And, oh, and that have just never healed proper properly. And it's been this like cyclical thing where 
yeah, they're just, my ankle's hurting because the ligaments haven't healed properly. Um, but the doctor said that there's strength in my ankle. I obviously have strength in my feet. Um, she even told me like, I don't have to quit doing CrossFit. Oh, good. Um, yeah, she said, I don't have to quit doing CrossFit. I, um, she was like, you know, I would just, you know, maybe just don't do anything that irritates your ankle. But Mm. if it, if it doesn't hurt your ankle, you're fine. Um, she did give me steroids for my, for my ankle. Um, so it has been bothering me a little bit just because that's the injection site. Um, mm-hmm. but today I went for a run and it was fine. My ankle wasn't hurting. Okay. It was fine. Um, and then she gave me, all she said was that at this point, because it's been so long and it's been, it's, it's healed to a certain degree. Now it's more about rehabilitating it. And because I'm already seeing mm-hmm. a physical therapist for my elbow, because I also have a busted up elbow, um, <laughs> that also is not a sports related injury. It's just the existing really, I guess. Um, mm. so now it's just like doing the ankle exercises on top of the elbow exercises. Um, so that's good. And then I mm-hmm. also, after months of testing and years of not being listened to by doctors, I actually have an official diagnosis of ADHD. Wow. That's big. Yeah. So, uh, I found, I got my official diagnosis on Wednesday, um, mm-hmm. and, or sorry, Thursday. And at first I was, I don't know, like reading the report was really surreal because it was like little things that I didn't know that I did. Mm. Like, um, I don't know, like the, I, I, I always knew it was a fidgeter, but little things like, like playing with my face, playing with my mask, you know, mm-hmm. sighing a lot, like things that I never noticed. Um, oh. yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, it's like little things like that. Um, and then also things that were present with, with me as a child that I had mm. no idea, um, that I had no idea were part of ADHD, just things where I was like, you know, I was lazy or whatever. So, um, and I, I didn't really know what to do with the information because it was just, it was really just a diagnosis. Um, mm-hmm. although my case manager gave me a great list of resources, you know, she did provide me with steps, um, you know, steps that I could take, but I think still, I felt like, well, this is so weird. Like I've waited years to get someone to sort of validate what I've been feeling and to now be told, here's your diagnosis, go out into the world. Good luck. Uh, yeah. and she literally said to me at the end, good luck. Um, but talking to Ivana, who's our mutual friend. Um, she did tell me that like I could get accommodations at work because it is under the American disability act. ADHD is Mm -hmm. a disability. Mm -hmm. Um, so she just said I could get accommodations for work. She said that, you know, it opens to the possibility of me being medicated. Mm. Um, so just all these things. Um, so I am in the process of looking for a psychiatrist, uh, Mm -hmm. to get started on medication. I am gonna I have a meeting with my therapist on Wednesday so I'm gonna give them that paperwork um so yeah I mean I guess just kind of taking a day at a time but uh it all just I don't know it's just surreal like it's so surreal yeah I I bet but I'm like I know it's weird to say but I'm like I'm glad that you finally have um that type of like closure because I know this has been going on for a very long time. Yeah. So I'm glad that you finally have that validation that you have the diagnosis and that you can, you can work on, you can now work on like yeah. managing it. Yeah. And I mean, it's, 
I've been following this ADHD Reddit page for like a couple of weeks now, ever since I started the process of getting tested, just to answer mm-hmm. questions about what the testing process is like. Cause it's not just, at least for me, it's not just, it wasn't just like a, okay, fill out a questionnaire, fill out one questionnaire and then take a, a computer test and then you're done. It was very, the questions were very in depth. Like I had to have several meetings with my case manager to ask for more deep, to provide more details about certain things and you know and also like when I was doing my computerized test which is the TOVA test which I guess was the last part of my uh diagnosis process um or my evaluation I should say that's the word evaluation um I had no idea that she was watching me like the proctor was watching me I thought she had left the room Mm. and then I turned around because I heard something and she's just sitting right there and it scared me because she was just sitting there quietly and I was like and I was like I'm so sorry I was like I did not know you were there um, but <laughs> I'm just imagining that happening. I can see that happening. It was really, <laughs> but, uh, but she was apparently there to observe me mm-hmm. and she, like, I didn't know that she was taking notes. Um, but in the report her, she put in her observations that I was sighing a lot. I was fidgeting. Also, um, when the test ended and she was escorting me to the front door, I was like, Man, that was brutal. Because it was. It was 20 minutes of me pressing a button and watching a screen. Like, it was the worst thing ever. Um, yeah. And towards the end of the 20 minutes, it was just, I don't know. Like, I was just like, oh, my God. This is, like, the worst thing ever. Um, and so she so she me- she mentioned that in a note. She was like, she was like, client said, this was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. So, yeah. So, I don't know. It was just, like, it was so it was very in-depth, which is, I don't know. It was just really great. Because I had had psychiatrists in the past, because I also I'm diagnosed with depression and anxiety, and I'm getting treatment for that. Mm-hmm. But um, because I first got tested in college, you know, a lot of kids misuse misuse Adderall and things like that. So mm. I, I I don't blame them, but they were very skeptical of my symptoms, and they were just like, "It will kind of sounds like it's just depression. It kind of sounds like it's just anxiety." Because those two symptoms can can mimic ADHD symptoms with you know, dealing with the executive function, but also mm-hmm. there's also high cases of comorbidity with all three mm. of those. So you like ADHD can lead to depression and can lead to anxiety. You know what I mean? Like, so they all kind of go mm-hmm. together and it's not uncommon to have a person that has all three. And, yeah. you know, so I have all three and it's kind of like, you know, I really thought when I was a, in college, it was, cause I remember I had another psychiatrist that was like, you know, this kind of happens with, you know, high achieving adults is you have, you have so much on your plate because you want to, you want to achieve. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and also I got decent grades in high school. I was, my report card in college to my standards was complete doo-doo, but I wasn't failing out of a a lot of classes that I think some of the psychiatrists would have expected. Um, Mm. But also that's because a lot of teachers showed me grace and showed me patience, mm-hmm. which I'm mm-hmm. now that I know that I have ADHD, I'm like, damn. They had my back and they didn't even know it. Like they, yeah, I don't know. Like I wouldn't have the career that I had, I think, if I hadn't had teachers that were like, I, I trust you to get it together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so um, it was really hard getting a diagnosis in college because, I mean, I don't blame them. Like I was getting diagnosed in a college town, like. I mean, how many kids had, were faking symptoms to get Adderall? You know what I mean? Like, I, 
I don't blame mm-hmm. them, but it's like once I became an adult and I was like doing adult things and I realized that I can't, I couldn't function as an adult. Like I couldn't send emails. Like I couldn't, I was losing students work all the time. Like I forgot, I forget to answer student emails. You know what I mean? Like little things like that. Like I forget deadlines you know, county deadlines. Like right now I'm in the process of getting my teaching license renewed and I forgot the deadline to get it renewed. And the, the lady at the, the, the office, the head office was like, you need to get this to me ASAP. So yeah. So it's just been hell functioning as an adult with undiagnosed ADHD. And now to, to realize that there's a light at the end of the tunnel has been amazing. So that's, yeah so that's been what's that's what's been going on with me so yeah hell yeah well like i said i'm glad i'm glad you're like able to start working towards managing it yeah me too so i think we're at the 21 minute mark so i think we've only gone over i think we've we're 15 minutes of catching up okay people have probably already skipped that's fine okay yeah so welcome skippers yes Thank you. Um, okay, do you want to, you said, you, I think you said that you wanted me to go first. Or I, I'll go first since yours oh, is probably longer. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. So let me just All right. back and listen. Yes, Crack back and, and relax. All right. <laughs> All right, let me cue up my little source notes here. All right, so tonight I'm going to tell you about the abuse allegations that were uh, formed against William Francis, a.k.a. William Control, Ugh. a.k.a. ex-lead singer of former uh, emo band and my former favorite band, yeah. Aiden. Um, just as a good guy. Do you still listen Aiden? to them? Sorry, do you still listen to them by any chance? No, I do not. Um, okay. a- Aiden had me in a chokehold <laughs> when I was in middle school. They were, I mean, like, they were... Like, they were a good, would you say they were kind of like an underground, well, no, they were, they weren't underground for, for our scene. Yeah, it's, because it's hard to characterize, because, like, they definitely were not famous by any means, but they were well, they were, but at the same time, I feel like they weren't as famous in the scene as other, like, other bands, like, they were no My Chemical Romance or The Used or anything like that. Well, also, like, The Used and My Chemical Romance were getting played on MTV. And I think, I mean, granted, were they, were they going to be as mainstream as like Beyonce or Christina Aguilera? No, but it was like, they were getting exposure that Aiden was not getting. Oh yeah. yeah. Like they were, but yeah, Aiden was definitely well known in the scene, but they weren't really able to, you know, break out into mainstream the way like other, like, like, again, you're my chemical romance, panic at the disco, follow up boy. Like they were not at all uh, (laughs) of that fame. Um, But yeah, they had me definitely uh, in a chokehold. I met Will Francis once at Warped Tour when I was 12. Sorry if you can hear <laughs> you can hear Ronnie. I am listeners, I am sitting uh I'm not in my usual closet setting anymore because I cannot sit on my butt anymore. My back is killing me. I can't do it. So apologies for any background noise. We just have to I'm sorry. Um I live in an apartment, there's not much I can do about it. So, anyways, um so back to Aiden. So yes, favorite band, Met Will Francis at Warped Tour. Um, when I was like 12 or 13, there is photographic evidence somewhere. <laughs> I was um, so jealous of you back then. 
Ah, like, cause I mean, my mom being super Christian and super paranoid, never let me do anything like that. Yeah. So, but I think, um, I want to say my mom was with me. Wait, was she really? I want to say my mom was with me because my mom took us to Warped Tour that year. That's even more like awkward. Um, so yeah, that happened. Um, so yes, he was the lead singer of the band Aiden. Uh, I actually, I don't, they're no longer a band anymore. Oh no. But yeah, but he's Dang. now, I believe like he's doing the William Control thing. So that's his, that was his like side act. Um, so like solo act. Yeah. It's more like, elect- I guess like electronica type of thing. Um, uh, so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um do you want to know what's like in my head right now what <laughs> what remember that song and fucking hell down 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 oh my god song? what song was that that's a, that you was a single that was a single oh oh my god so beautiful loser that was my ringtone oh that's the longest time beautiful. oh my god <laughs> That's what I was Memory thinking. unlocked. Okay, so William <laughs> William Control, like that band also, like that had a chokehold on me in high school for a bit because I paid money to have that be a ringtone. Um, Which is expensive. I, that was expensive. That's expensive. Yeah. yeah, back then you paid for ringtones because mm-hmm. um, this was pre-smartphone or no. I think the iPhone was out at this point, but like it was like only on AT&T. So like not many people had iPhones. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so I had a little keyboard phone. This is all irrelevant information, but still, this was <laughs> no. You're you know. giving context. Yeah, context. Um, so all of this is happening. I think I can't. I think it was like maybe pre post Aiden. No, he was still in the band, and then it spilled over after the band like disbanded. Um, I probably should have put. I hope I put years in here. Okay, here we go. So Will Francis or Will in Control, has been accused over the years of running an emo sex cult, in quotes. Um, so I'm getting most of my source material from reporting over at the Daily Beast, who actually, I believe, broke the original story, mm-hmm. uh, as well as a, another um, blog called Salty. Um, and I also, I want to give a few disclaimers. Um, so first is that I don't mean to kink shame as I'm going through all of these things. We're gonna be talking about like BDSM type of stuff. So uh, we're not trying to kink shame. Um, And also again, trigger warning because these allegations are intense and do discuss sexual violence. And just to be safe, um, I'm not going to name any of the alleged victims even though they are named in the articles, but I'm just, I'm not gonna name them. Also, while these allegations were taken to the police, um, law enforcement has declined to prosecute due to the lack of evidence. Um, And yeah. And William also came out with a series of videos kind of providing his side of the story um, and sort of some some type of like evidence. Um, So that kind of adds, excuse me, that adds another element to, to this story and it is a mess before i go in it's a complete mess man so, it sounds like it yeah so so here we go 
So, like I said, the Daily Beast first broke the story that multiple women have accused Will Francis of physical, emotional, sexual, and even financial abuse under the guise of a BDSM relationship. Several women alleged that he forced them to get matching tattoos of his initials, um, that he carved his initials into one of um, the women's uh, woman's ribs Ooh. and that he had them sign contracts in their own blood Ew. and i'm actually going to read an excerpt of the contract which i got from the daily beast article isn't oh sorry no, we go. go ahead uh so it says my body is his to use in any way he should choose and i will never object to any actions he chooses to perform or have myself perform on him there is no limitation to what kind of pain I'm willing to endure for my master. So is this contract real? So, yes, I believe so. No one's denied, from what my research, no one has denied um, signing a contract. Like a contract, <clears throat> ag like basically agreeing to this like dom-sub type of arrangement. I think if I'm not mistaken, if I am mistaken, please excuse my ignorance and please, you know, feel free to correct. But I think I think in some BDSM relationships, contracts are fairly standard. Yeah. Because I think I know that, like, again, I'm also, like, kind of, like, a BDSM yeah. novice, but um, I know that consent is definitely a big thing right in the BDSM community. Mm -hmm. So anything that happens that sh that should happen in the course of the relationship is something that they that has been agreed upon right. previously. And it should and it and again if anything happens outside of that, then the person should use the safe word. Right. Um and then the person will stop whatever that they're whatever they're doing. So one accuser alleged that she was groomed by Will starting when she was 14. Um, so this is where it starts to get messy because according to um, some videos that Will, William, I'll just stick with calling him William, um, that William actually put on his YouTube a couple years ago um, that I'll talk about a little bit later. She, she kind of, she told like the media that, he started grooming her when she was 14. But then she told the police that he started grooming her when she was 12. So I'm just sticking with what was in the article, but he does mention that he told the press and the, and the police a couple different things. Um, so she claimed that another woman actually joined in the grooming, which was someone that Will William was dating at the time. And at one point, he was she said that they worried that people were starting to notice that they were communicating with a, a minor and so they encouraged her to change his name on her phone and to date people her own age to avoid suspicion um and she also claims that she had lots of young women this person that was joining in the grooming supposedly had lots of young women involved in this quote-unquote sex cult um and she would essentially recruit teenage girls um and she has she says she's been in contact with over 20 women who were involved and she even set up a tumblr and was moderating a tumblr at one point um which included photos um various photo photographic evidence of like the tattoo brands and just other kind of explicit things and people's essentially like 
experiences with um, William's alleged abuse. Um, so another accuser started out as a big fan of Aiden as a preteen and was later a fan of Francis's solo act, which I've mentioned before was William Control. So at a William Control concert in 2012, and at this point she was 18 years old, he told her that she was beautiful and that prior to the concert, he had been waiting for her to turn 18 um, because apparently they'd met another show when she was underage. And now that she was 18, they had a a consensual sexual encounter. She then said that a few months later, he floated the idea of her becoming his quote unquote slave. um, And she did agree. And mind you, she would have been 19 at this point. And he also would have been about 30 years old. So there was already a pretty big age gap here. Um, So she agreed to enter into a BDSM relationship with him. And she characterized the relationship as being abusive. Um, He says, she says that he wanted her to change how she looked like losing weight, which then caused her to develop an eating disorder. Um, And she says that he also made her film herself doing degrading sexual acts. And she does allege that he sexually assaulted her at one point. Damn. Yeah. Um, Another woman claims that he extorted around $100,000 out of her over three years. According to the woman, William said that money was proof of her love and she wasn't allowed to see him if she didn't send him money. She also alleges that he raped her at gunpoint and that he put a loaded gun in her mouth. And she says, quote, I couldn't consent because I was scared to death. I couldn't consent because of a loaded gun being forcefully pulled to my mouth. Trying to refuse only meant to tor- only meant more torture until I gave up. She also claims that he beat her, like, in the face and choked her until she was unconscious. So, according to the blog Salty, another woman who was also a fan connected with William online and alleges that when she was 18, she was given alcohol and was tied up, beaten, gagged, and photographed while this was all happening. And she says, quote, there was no communication, no safe word, and there was no communication about comfort levels or boundaries. Um, Which again, like that's something that is big, from my understanding, it's big in the BDSM community, is that there needs to be communication around comfort, understandings about, and understanding about boundaries and safe words. Yeah. Uh, So according to the Daily Beast reporting, yet another woman who was a long, who claimed to be a longtime partner of Francis around nine years, alleges that over the course of their relationship, she suffered from a dislocated jaw and a collapsed throat. She says that Francis made her work various sex worker jobs, such as cam girl, um, exotic dancer, dominatrix, she said a sugar baby, and he also tried to set her up as a porn star in order to make money for him. And she also claims that she recruited and groomed other women for him. And she recounts one incident where he beat her um, so severely, like I said, that that led to the collapsed throat and the dislocated jaw. And she claimed that she was eventually unconscious, and then he woke up, and then she woke up to him sexually assaulting her. And after the assault, which was in a hotel room, he drove her home where he continued to assault her during the drive. 
And then he dropped her off naked in front of her place and left her there. And in addition to that, she said she was also aware of physical and financial abuse of other women. Um, so in response to these allegations, at first, Francis made a now deleted statement on Facebook addressing the allegations. He mentions that he went to the police for questioning um, and provided his communications with the alleged victims. And he said that the detective, quote, recommended no charges be pressed because it was clear the behavior was consensual. He goes on to say that he has, quote, engaged in heavy role play and bondage relationships with consent and that he doesn't engage in bondage play anymore. And then he apologized for hurting anyone or violating their consent. Um, but he maintained that he's never been involved with underage girls nor a sex cult. And the alleged victims say that after coming forward with their accusations, Francis actually threatened them with legal action for defamation of character um, or another instance, he threatened someone with legal action after he claims they violated an NDA, which the alleged victim says that they never signed. Um, and after an alleged victim recounted their experience with them online, he sent them and one of their friends screenshots of sexually explicit text messages between the, vic the alleged victim and Francis, basically proving, trying to prove that their relationship was consensual. Um, so, like I said before, the police did look into the allegations. They brought Francis in for questioning and ultimately declined to prosecute due to a lack of evidence. Um, according to the Daily Beast, uh, since the determination to not prosecute in 2018, Francis has released new music that could be interpreted as taunting the alleged victims. Like, one song's lyrics call for someone to kill themselves Ooh. and how to do it, like, slitting their throat and stuff mm. and then in another music video which i watched and no offense maybe offense but it was like high key cringy um he's basically like well, um, well yeah, i mean i mean we'll probably get we'll talk about this we'll probably talk about this and it'll probably come up when, when i when we get to my story but when you're 13 14 whatever like the music that aiden put out was seen as like artistic like i don't know it was it was like it was seen as like oh my gosh, like, this is art. And then looking back on it now, you're like, dude, this was so cringe. Like, I can't believe how cringe it is. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Trying to, yeah, trying to listen to it, like, trying to listen to, like, the music I liked. Yeah. Um, Not all of those bad, but some of the music, definitely, like, no offense, but, like, Aiden, like, some of that wasn't that great. Like, look, thinking, listening back on it now, I'm like, dang. The thing is, like, okay, <laughs> before, okay, I don't want to go on an ADHD field tangent. But for me, the sign of a, of a good artist is someone who's able to grow and someone who's able to progress. And with artists like Will, sorry, artists with like William Control and Aiden, it just kind of seemed like it was like it at first it was like 20 year old kids, fresh faced, making cringy music for cringy teens. And then you get into your 30s and then your 40s and you're still singing about the same things. I don't know. It's just kind of yeah. like, you know, that's where it's it like, gets really Yeah, it's like that's where it gets really, really cringy. Where it's like, yeah, you know, like you should be able to evolve with your fan base. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And that's partially why it's like not interesting to listen to anymore. Yeah. It's like I'm not really in that phase of my life anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, 
so so like I said, I watched the video cringy, and it's basically him just like holding up various guns, huh? um, like real guns, and then. I'm sorry, I could not finish it, but I did get in. It was like four minutes long. And I got, I got, I made it like three minutes, so I was almost there. Yeah. Um. So he on his Instagram, he dedicated this music video to quote all you soy drinking beta nerds that live for social justice, and it feels like yeah, threatening. <laughs> yeah, like it feels threatening, and it's just like cringy. Like, what are you talking about? Oh God um, forbid we care about social justice. Right? Fuck us for what yeah, for caring about God, for, like, human people, rights. I mean, when people say stuff like that, it just really shows, like, your ass. Because it's like, social justice is really, you know, rights for all. Yeah. You know I mean? like, Why is that wrong? Ugh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he's also gotten his fans to harass this the small blog that I was talking about, Salty, um, where I got some of my information and they reported on the allegations and they actually created a hashtag, which I did not write down, but they created a hashtag to kind of like create awareness around some of the assaults. Um, and according to the founder of the website, their website was hacked and then taken down after the story was posted. And their Facebook page was also flagged and taken down. Is there documentation of him encouraging that behavior? Um, or is it just, no. Okay. It's just, it's just like a he said, she said type of thing. Okay. Because, I mean, see, that's the stuff, that, okay, that's the stuff to me that, like, raises red flags because, and I mean, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not an investigator or whatever, um, but it's stuff like that that's always really weird to me when these, uh, when these allegations come out and I don't know, I just feel like and in, I mean, I'm not a detective. I can't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, but for me, it's just, I just feel like someone who has nothing to hide wouldn't react in such a defensive manner. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, encouraging, if it is true that he encouraged people to harass and cyberbully, or, but for me, that's the thing. Even if you don't encourage it, if you didn't put a stop to it, once you became aware that it was happening, you're just as culpable as if you, you, you like actually encouraged it verbally. You know what I mean? For me, it's like, agreed. for me, it's like harassment is never okay. And mm-hmm. when you don't put a stop to it because you feel like they deserve it, that doesn't sit right with me because I feel yeah. like if I was being accused of something and this is just me because I'm not a psychopath, but I just feel like if I was being accused of something, I mean, granted, it would it would it would carry a lot of stress, especially if you're a public figure. But I've, I'm of the I'm of the belief that the truth, you know, what is done in the dark will be brought to the light. And mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, if I have nothing to hide, I have nothing to hide. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't have to harass people. I don't have to write songs about how people should kill themselves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just don't feel like, I don't know. I just feel like an innocent person wouldn't have to do that. Yeah. You just kind of, sometimes the best thing to do is to just be yeah. quiet. And that's the thing. Like it's, it's one thing to be like, fuck the haters because a lot of people say that Taylor Swift says that, but there's another thing to be like, fuck the haters. Now kill yourself. And this is how you should do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just like, 
It doesn't say, it doesn't. It brings your character yeah. into question. Like, it's just kind of like, you yeah. want any credibility as a defendant, then like, act like, act like you don't have something to hide. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. Yeah. That's my opinion though. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just weird to me. It's just weird to me because we've seen it time and time again with other cases where it's like, mm-hmm. they, they put their foot in their mouth by like talking too much. And by insisting mm-hmm. on in their in, like on their innocence, and when it's like, I don't know, I just feel like not that an innocent man wouldn't talk too much because I also I get it. Like you want to talk about your freedom, you want to get your freedom, or you want to shake off these allegations, especially if you know they're not true. But it's just kind of like, like remember that R. Kelly interview with Gail King? Yeah, he's like oh jumping off the chair and crying, crying, screaming. You yeah, know what I mean, and he's called himself. He he said that him and Osama. This was like. This was, like, way before, but when he said that, like, him and Osama bin Laden, nobody in this world had more in common than him and Osama bin Laden because they're both being persecuted. And I'm like, yo, Osama bin Laden is guilty as hell. You really just outed yeah. him as a criminal. Right? What the fuck yeah. are you talking about? Oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> so, okay. So, basically, he continues he continues talking, which takes me to, like, the second part of all of this. Yeah. Um, and this is where it gets messy. So in 2019, he started posting lengthy videos on YouTube, essentially attempting to clear his name. And each of each video was dedicated towards a specific um, accuser. And he provided evidence basically um, with the intent to show that they were lying. So basically, he still maintains that the allegations are untrue. Right. And for all of these accusations um, in the videos, he ba- he essentially says that they were upset that he broke up with them. Um, and mind you, he had several relationships going on at the same time. And I believe he never says it and I never hear him say it, but I believe he might have been polyamorous because all the women did know about each other. And mind you, um, all of these relationships were extramarital because he was married the entire time and his wife did not know that he was doing all this. And once these allegations came out, he got divorced. Um, so even if the allegations are true, he's still a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Just out here fully just like Damn. gallivanting around Damn. Chino's wife. He has a, he does have a child with Ugh. her. It's a mess. Um, but he, he, he does, he does admit it. He accept, he owns up to it like in videos that he was, all these um, relationships were extramarital and that he was married at the time. Um, But anyways, he says that he broke up with some of his girlfriends, but not all of them. And the ones who got broken up with felt slighted. So then they basically teamed up to make all these accusations against him. So in the first video I watched, he did say that he doesn't use safe words because it takes him out of the role-playing mindset um, and he said he hoped that if any of his partners felt uncomfortable, that they would tell him or that he would watch out for cues or signals that they were uncomfortable. But so, too late for that. You can't say that after the fact. Exactly. And also, like, was this communicated to the women beforehand? Because if you're in a relationship with someone, it's a BDSM relationship, I'm assuming that they would, there would be that assumption that a safe word would be used. And if it yeah. pulls you out of the fantasy, and I'm pu- using my air bunnies here, if it pulls you out of the fantasy, and you're looking for cues, it could really be, it could be very easy 
because that's the thing like if the fantasy is so important to you that you just you completely forget or you refuse to use a safe word that is established there that it's it's been established to create that trust between the people involved like if you're Mm -hmm. so into the fantasy that you're going to completely disregard that then what's this, how can I, as your partner, trust you that you're going to pay attention to my cues, that you're going to listen to me when I say that I'm uncomfortable? Do you know what I'm saying? Like we, that yeah. doesn't really do anything to clear you, you clear you of any wrongdoing because mm-hmm. it's just, it's easy to sit there and say that, but also when you, if you're in that moment and you're vulnerable, you can't trust that the other person is going to feel comfortable enough to tell you I'm uncomfortable because you took away mm-hmm. their, you took away their only way of concretely saying without any sort of interpretation that they're uncomfortable. That's the whole point of a safe word. Yeah, because it's, and so sorry. and you're and he's claiming that he can he can he can sense cues that they're uncomfortable, which again is very convenient to say after the fact, mm-hmm. but it. At least it might be a little bit evident that he his his detection of cues might be a teensy bit off. Yeah. Um, if because and obviously like if again if like you were saying if you're in the moment and if you're if you're engaging this in this type of activity where it's normal and expected that like I don't know you're going to be like you know engaging in like consensual you know beating and stuff yeah. like that. Um, it's, I think it's expected that, like, there might be, like, some crying out, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, But, like, but it's easy, like, it's easy to say, like, oh, I'm, like, I I wouldn't be able, how how would you be able to know the difference between her crying out and, like, pleasure or, like, part of the pain, like, like, the pain is also pleasure. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, you are. And then the actual, like, pain, like, stops. Yeah, because if that's part of the fantasy, if that's part of the fantasy... Then you could easily play it off as being like, well, I thought this was just part of the fantasy. What, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because some people have, you know, some people have different fantasies and not to kink shame here, but some of those fantasies involve being put in a situation that any person on the outside looking in would think like this person is being hurt or being harmed. But that's part of the fantasy in that moment. But like, in moments like, that's why the whole point of a safe word exists is to be able to, mm-hmm. without fear of misinterpretation i am uncomfortable or i'm not okay with this whereas like i don't know for me it's just kind of like that's such a cop-out like it's such a cop-out yeah and he does acknowledge that like that might have that might have been a mistake but the way i'm sorry the way he acknowledged it in his video it almost made it sound like an aside like but that's like the main thing the main it's very it's very important that you didn't have and you didn't use safe words with your partners it's very important that you did not have like an agreed upon boundary with your partners because now you've opened it up to where these boundaries are now blurred the lines are blurred now yes and also and that's i think yeah i think the whole point of having like like we were talking about earlier the whole point of having the safe word the whole point of communicating beforehand um, what isn't is not okay is to create those boundaries. And I'm sorry if it takes you out of like your experience, but that's what being in a BDSM, that's what entails, that's what it entails being in a BDSM relationship is you communicating and making sure that everything is like agreed upon beforehand so you can have an enjoyable experience. You also can't do that. I don't know. For me, I just kind of like, you can't do those things and then be surprised when allegations 
come, you know, come out because it's clear that if this is what, if you acknowledge that you did not use the safe word, if you acknowledge that these lines have been blurred, then you cannot be surprised that these allegations are coming forth because obviously these women were uncomfortable and you were doing things to them that they may not have wanted you to do to them. So it's, I don't Mm -hmm. know, for me, it's kind of like, well, dude, like, what do you expect? This is so irresponsible. Yeah. And we should also keep in mind that there are multiple power dynamics going on here. So at first, the fact is that he's the dom with the sub and the fact that he's like these, these he's like their idol almost like he these were all I think most of these girls are women, women, they were women, um, may have been fans. So you're also using the power dynamic that you are this like sort of like well-known figure in the scene and the fact that you're the dom like come on now like they're they're it's it's reasonable to think that some of them might have been um like you were saying uncomfortable with kind of like speaking up at like at the time it's very reasonable to think that um it's not unreasonable to think that that doesn't exist um so so yeah he goes he goes on the video and i did watch i watched the majority of like all of them um so he basically okay. Where am I at? Right. Um, one of these videos and see. Okay, so so basically in the first video that I watched, he's showing screenshots of text messages. Like I said, with the intent of refuting the claims that this particular accuser's uh, claims of abuse. So he plays audio. So his whole his whole thing is saying that the, this was consensual. Mm-hmm. That they were consenting. So he plays audio of him with this woman. And it sounds like um, they're in the middle of doing it, having sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he says that she agreed to be filmed, um, but he only showed the audio. And he said, I'm willing to show the whole video if she agrees to it. But as far as I know, he never like released it. Um, and basically, he, he shared the audio to kind of like prove that she consented to everything and then he also did share text messages between the two of them where it's it's sexually explicit um and it, it kind of it kind of does indicate that she's i can't i mean i can't say like consenting to like the activity cuz how would how would any of us know right but like the relationship she it shows that she's like agreeing to being beaten um agreeing to have him do like you know explicit yeah. kind of like you know the bsm violent sex acts that kind of that kind of stuff um and it does show that right um so he says that she went to the police two days after they broke up and that it was only after the police declined to prosecute that she went to the internet um so that was that video for that one particular woman so there was another woman, the woman I mentioned earlier that um, says she was with him for nine years and that she, he dislocated her jaw and collapsed her throat. So he made another video um, regarding her allegations. Um, he actually denies that he was with her for nine years. Um, he says that their relationship, their sexual encounters added up to maybe six months um, of, of an actual relationship Although I know people move like fast and heavy, 
But the text messages that like they showed, they were like exchanging I love you's and like confessing their love forever and ever. Um, so it's I know people can be like in, in intense relationships, but it just seems kind of odd to me. But whatever. Um, but he claims that's a that common theme. And you're when we get to my story, you're going to see why that's a common theme. Oh, but okay. it, it see it, I mean, if the allegations are true and he is an abuser, it seems like that's like a common way to love bomb. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like it seems like um, that might have been the case because um, in some of the in some of the other like text message shows, again, these were like like profesh- professions, deep, long professions of love. I love you. I'll do anything for you. I can't like you know things like that. Um, so, okay, so this woman, um, he actually showed a text message that she sent to him regarding the allegations that she made about him collapsing her throat and dislocating her jaw. And in the text messages, she mentions those injuries to him and attributes them to someone else. So they're having a conversation and he's asking her, how badly can I beat you? Oh. And she says, oh, I don't know. Um, I've had my jaw dislocated and I've had my throat collapsed. So not that, not that level. So she was mentioning those injuries, but the implication is that they happened prior to their relationship and that someone else did that to her. Um, So there is that. Um, and so, yes, and he, he further shows more text messages, um, that are pretty much the whole time. They're pretty explicit. Um, they just, you know, they discuss like what we're going to, what I'm going to do to you and, you know, things just typical, like that typical, like Dom sub type of language. Um, and he does show screenshots of her communicating with another one of the, um, accusers that I'm going to talk about next. And she actually, I don't want to say she was defending the accuser, but, or I mean, defending Will, but she was actually discounting the, the account of the other, of the other accuser, um, which I'll get into in a bit. So it seemed, in, in a way, it seemed like she was doubting that person's story as well. Um, so... Okay, so then she, this same woman also alleges that she witnessed a b- physical and um, physical and sexual abuse, and I believe what what he says that she was referring to um, was uh, what appeared to have been a consensual threesome with Will and this woman and another a separate woman, and. Again, this was like a BDSM situation. So I'm assuming that there was like beating and stuff like that. Consensual, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but the woman came out in defense of Will saying that um, anything that happened in that encounter was consensual and that nothing happened to her that she couldn't handle. And he did show text messages between him and the accuser where she was thankful for the encounter because apparently he set it up for her birthday um and she was thanking him oh man mm-hmm. yeah she was thanking him for the for setting it up and that she was saying that she had a great time she was going on and on about how she had a great time um and she kept in contact with the woman 
uh, because he was going on tour. So I guess he was only really popping up like when he was on was touring in the area. Or I don't know if maybe like he like flew her out or whatever. Um, but she said she kept in contact um, with the other woman. Um, so, okay. There is that. Um, she said that she enjoyed watching him beat her. Um, Wait, so who enjoyed watching him beat her? So the accuser enjoyed watching um, Will William Control beat the other woman in the threesome. Oh, yeah. Um, and 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 then here's the thing: he does show screenshots where she uh, where the accuser apologizes for quote what she did. She doesn't specify what she's apologizing for, apologizing for, but this was after um, the well, this was after the accusation started coming out, and then she sent this paragraph text message where she was she reached out to him and apologized for what she did, and was like, "I know you might not forgive me," um, and things like that. So that there's that. Um, so he has another video of a woman um, where they were in a consensual relationship for a while. She lived in the UK. Um, and this was the woman who claimed, I believe this was the same woman who claimed that she was extorted um, out of like $100,000. Um, so this woman, they were in a relationship for, uh, I don't actually think he said the time, but it was for a while. And he showed very very long emails that she sent him <sighs> talking about you're my daddy you're my master no. you're my Sorry. savior Sorry. you're my everything you're my this you're my that i would do anything for you i would die for you um oh and she was very like she was and she was going on like about because she was I don't know if it's messy for me to, but she basically like compared herself to the other women that he was with. And she felt very insecure about her body and would talk about that. Um, and then the, the, the weird thing, or I guess not weird, but she was, she, there was a lot of talks of suicide with her. She was suicidal oh, no. and she would, yeah, she would, she was, she showed screenshots where she was planning to, to um, end her life. And she she even sent him a um, a suicide note, basically saying farewell, um, and basically talking about how you didn't, basically saying like you didn't love me the way I loved you, and but I still love you and this and she and he did he did say that she spent a lot of money and he referred to her as his servant. And so whenever he would tour in the UK, he would like reach out to her um, and ask her to like, I guess, buy food and buy different things. But he claimed that he like didn't ask her to like spend that much money on him. But he did like just he did let her spend money on him and would ask her to buy him things. But I think he was, I guess, like not to the extent that she was saying like she spent some of the money that she spent on him was, in his words, on her own accord. Um, Slaves don't buy their master's things it's the other way around yeah so okay Ugh. 
so and, and yeah and then these emails she's also talking about how much she wants him in very very sexually explicit detail and she's basically submitting to him over email and text um eventually oops, excuse me eventually he breaks up with her he's one of the she's one of the women that he kind of like did a mass breakup and so he eventually he breaks up with her and then he claims that she's the one that pushed the other accusers behind the scenes to go to the police with the rape and abuse allegations. And he also shares screenshots. Sorry, my toilet is running. <laughs> um, he also shared screenshots of like a, of statements um, that she wrote to the police from the UK. Um, she claims that... Um, he made he didn't like something that she did because I think he she was doing like photo shoots. I actually don't know the context of this. He was, he kept talking about photo her doing photo shoots and him not liking it, and that she was doing photo shoots without his permission. And so he to punish her, he made her kneel. Mind you, they're not in the same geographic location. She's in the UK, he's in the US somewhere. He made her kneel on the ground like all day and all night. <gasps> and she and he had her um take pictures of herself every five minutes to prove that she was still kneeling and apparently he didn't let her eat or drink or go to sleep um but then at some point he acknowledges and i guess she acknowledges in the thing that he does let her eventually go to sleep but she says that he she was only allowed to sleep for like a certain amount of time he's and but he basically was saying well this was a punishment but he didn't, she didn't have to do that if she didn't want to. But how does she know that? Exactly. How does she know that? Exactly. Because you got these women in these, because yes, in these text messages, in these emails, he's he's having them call him, like, they're basically calling him um, their savior, their master. Yeah. He is their master. This is the this is a dom sub relationship, so of course, like it makes sense that maybe she wasn't. She's just submitting in the context of the BDSM relationship. So to say, oh well, she could have. She didn't have to do. She didn't want to. It's like, well, was this? Was there an arrangement where she could? say no like you know what I mean like was there an arrangement beforehand where she can say no like the safe word yeah so okay dang so here so so that that is all um basically like I said like um he he the the police were oh wait I have one more actually that I didn't write but I um watched it so recently that I can't remember so he did actually do another video about the woman who started the blog who claims that he started grooming her when she was underage and had other women grooming her. Um, and he he basically, he refuted that too, basically saying that she told the, she told the press um, one age and told the police another. She told the, pre- the press that he only psychologically abused her, um, but she told the police that he sexually abused her. He, he denies everything. Um, it's also not clear like how much contact they had because I know that her band opened for his band at one point, but he's not clear on if they like actually met in person for any meaningful amount of time. He just said that when, cause she's also from the UK and he just said that when her band opened for his, they met briefly and were cordial and that was it. Yeah. But she's, and she also wasn't clear 
Um, she wasn't clear either on the extent of the relationship, just that he groomed her. Um, so I'm going to be completely honest. Like when I watched that one, it did, it did seem, it did, it did seem like the stuff she was saying wasn't adding up. Um, and so, and then a common theme with all the women that I just listed out is that they were all emotionally and mentally vulnerable right they all had mental health issues the woman this woman from the uk she wrote out her she listed out and shared her diagnosis like she was um bipolar she had complex ptsd um she she had a lot of mental health things that she was dealing with so was the other woman from the uk um the other woman um the other woman i mentioned like kind of earlier she had mental health issues as well they all had mental health issues and they were all emotionally and like just like I said, emotionally and mentally kind of like um, vulnerable. So immediately to me, just from my perspective, like when I kind of like when I kind of like laid it all out, I was like to myself, well, he he might he might not have legally done anything that could legally have gotten into trouble although to be honest like our criminal justice system is some doo-doo so like even though they didn't have evidence like also i I mean contrary to what contrary to what the public thinks and thanks to like shows like well i think law and order actually does a really good job of this but like contrary to what the public thinks sex crimes are probably one of the hardest crimes to persecute um because Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just like a lot of factors make it difficult because our a lot of our laws haven't caught up. There's still states that have the statute of limitations, um, but also you know the discretion of the judge, the prosecutor. Um, mm-hmm. Evidence is also like really hard to collect on these cases, which is why, I mean, not to turn to a whole thing, but like when you know men are out here saying like, "Well, I feel like I can't talk to women because I'm afraid of being accused of rape." When it's like, people are acting like. You know, people are acting like it's so easy to get a rape case into the courtroom. Like, it's really not. It's not as easy as you think it is. People drop charges all the time. It is really hard to get, you know, victims to come forward and go through the trial or even to proceed with the charges. You know, like it's, you know, sex crimes are so difficult to, you know, to prosecute. And, you know, it. a lot of it is like he said, she said, which doesn't really hold up in a court. Um, and you know, I don't know for me, I mean, it is hard cause we don't know all the details. I mean, my instinct, and I think you said it too, like my instinct is to always believe the accusers, but I think that, I don't know, for me, it's too much of a coincidence to have so many allegations come out about this guy and there not be at least some seat, like some little bit of truth in there. Um, because I think it's kind of ridiculous to think that there's like this huge conspiracy against him such a small time musician. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's not like he's like, you know, no, he's loaded. It's not like he's super famous. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, I don't know. I mean, I think that, I think that's why there are so many rules and so many boundaries and so many, so much protocol in BDSM relationships, because, you know, it is not, it's not a, it's not like a typical heteronormative 
approach to sex. You know what I mean? Like it's very BDSM is, is still considered taboo, especially in the Americas. Like, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like that's why there's so many, that's why it's so important to communicate with your partner. And it's just obvious that, and he's even admitted himself obvious that there wasn't any communication, you know? And so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, were some of the, is there some inconsistencies in some of the alleged abuse? Maybe, but I think that I also feel like a lot of, you know, I feel like if it is true, there's probably a lot of mental manipulation going on. There's probably a lot of, you know, I don't know. Like, there's, you know, there are people, even with R. Kelly, like, there were people who, people who are victims of R. Kelly that, you know, would have died on that hill of defending R. Kelly and being like, no, it was all consensual or like, no, you know, I, I, I wanted it or whatever. When it's like, did you really, though? You know, like, did you really? Did you really want to do this because you wanted to do it? Or did he make you believe that you wanted to do it? Like, I don't know. For me, it just kind of, I don't know. For me, it's kind of like, none of these incidences make me feel like he is free of any wrongdoing. Like, I think, I mean, was it enough to bring it to court? Probably not, you know. And maybe the, because prosecutors, you know, a lot of prosecutors, because of the things like double jeopardy, they want to make sure that they have, uh, a really good case before they bring in allegations. You know what I mean? So it's maybe like what they, maybe what they provided, just what they knew that they would get like destroyed in the courtroom or easily, yeah. apart, you know, by his defense team. So yeah. you don't have to have gone to Harvard to know that you could easily pick holes in that, you know, in that case. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so for me, that's kind of where I'm at, where for me, it's like, yes, is it enough, like you said, is it enough to necessarily, like, take him to court over, go to the police? Maybe not, but that is, but that doesn't always mean much. Yeah. Um, still fishy. But still fishy. I do think that he obviously did not follow BDSM best practices. Right. Um, if there was a handbook here of like, if there's a BDSM handbook out somewhere, I'm pretty sure he, like, didn't follow most of what's in right. there. Um, I think he took advantage of his position as a well-known figure to wield power over emotionally and mentally vulnerable people to feed into his own admitted God God complex because he did admit in one of his videos that he did have a God complex back then. Um, And I think that this, yeah. And so I think that um, this was all beyond the bounds of like, BDSM because clearly clearly obviously like there's there's obviously going to be a power imbalance in the um I don't know if I'm wrong about this but there obviously is a a designed power imbalance in those BDSM relationships but I think that like what he was trying to do was beyond that like I think it goes beyond like the agreement in a BDSM relationship and so I agree I think it, it sounds to me like he is very manipulative in that he if anything, he was specifically going after vulnerable, vulnerable girls, which is a women, sign vulnerable of women. a predator. That's a sign of a predator. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because yeah. it's not, yeah, it's not like you said. It's not a coincidence that each one of these accusers all had significant yeah. mental health issues. 
Like, that's not a coincidence. And he tried to play it off like, oh, well, my my mistake is was being nice to mentally ill people. Ew, oh and I was like, are you gosh. fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? Dude, even if, um, even if you're not guilty, even if you're 100% innocent, you're still a fucking douche. And I don't know why right? anybody likes you, why anybody hangs out with you. I don't know how anybody can be married to you. Like, I'm like... Yeah. Well, obviously, that's the thing. Obviously, he's a master manipulator. Dude Dude had, like, mm-hmm. what, three, two, three bitches on top of being married? How do you even handle that? How do you juggle that? I That's what I'm I saying. I can't even keep the names of my family members straight or the names of my friends straight. <laughs> and I'm like, now you have to have, like, three different lovers? Nah, man. That's yeah. And I mean... And I also, just aside, he did mention in his video that his friends, he lost like a lot of his friends and associates because they basically see him as a pariah now. Um, You're also an asshole. And, You're also an asshole. Yeah. So that maybe that, that has something to do with it. It might have just um, been like an excuse to just be like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it probably yeah. could have been an excuse. It's like, oh man, I finally have a reason to not hang out with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a- so... I can't. So like ah, I sorry. Yeah. And he's so ugly. So like sorry. Yeah, yeah. So so like I was saying before, um, I can't remember if I said this like when we started recording, but I'll just reiterate what Amy you said earlier was that like my first instinct um is to believe the accuser. Mm-hmm. And that's still the case here, despite despite the fact that like the details here are a bit messy and it's a bit murky. But like Amy, like you already explained like that like sexual crimes are like hard to process like hard to prosecute um and it's hard to find the evidence and so while we might not be i don't know sure about the whole like legality point what i what i'm way more confident in is that he is he's a he's probably a manipulative person um targeted mentally uh, emotionally vulnerable people and he used BDSM to do it. Yeah. So Dang. that's my story. That's crazy. Yeah. And I used to have his mm. picture glued on my agenda. So, and- so did I. I had his pictures on my agenda. I had his picture on my fucking walls. Yeah. Good God. Mm. I was obsessed with him. Ugh. Ah! <laughs> so embarrassing to say. <laughs> it is. Oh, God. Some of the men that I was attracted to. Woof right like just like i'm trying to like i'm having an image of like the my middle school high school room and the crazy posters i had and i like at the time i was like these guys are like chef's kiss (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) like oh god like the tight jeans where you could see their bulge yeah the two tight jeans girls well girls sweatshirts Girl, yeah, just wearing their clothing, um, the long hair, which may or may not be like greasy. Burma crack, I swear, uh, Burma unwashed of the used, least thing of the used. I'm, I'm pretty sure he never washed his hair. That's so yeah. Weird. I cringe so yeah. hard because sometimes I'll go on like nostalgic like binges on YouTube, and I'll just like look up music videos from those all those bands, like interviews and stuff, and I just don't understand. I truly don't understand the the type of like emo guys that had me in a chokehold i don't understand it serious yeah they were so, like what on earth like i would have i my dream man was a man that wore skinny jeans and had eyeliner yeah and straight, that's and his all hair was burnt from all the straightening that he did <laughs> like i can't believe 
Oh man. Yeah. It's oh oh my gosh. So so yeah. so embarrassing. <laughs> God have mercy on our fourteen year old selves. Good God, yes, please. <sighs> All right. Well, great job, Kristen. That was really good. Oh, I thank was you. there are a lot of moments where I was stunned into silence because <laughs> Me too. I mean, damn. That's just crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. All right. Well, when we come back, I will do my story. But right now, I have to pee. And we're back. Okay. So speaking of men that we wanted to have sex with or had crushes on in high school, here's a man that none of us wanted to have sex with. Um, yeah. I will be talking about Davy Vanity from Blood on the Dance Floor. Mm. Uh, do you remember that awful song? It, uh, Are you oh, um. Bewitched? for the voice um <laughs> yes so th- that is blood on the dance floor which apparently that song also went viral because of vine oh it did yeah i have to show you the clip yeah that. there was just like one clip of some frat guy singing the song and it came viral um oh, wow. okay <laughs> so, so talk about <laughs> david vanity um so this guy also was kind of i think blood on the dance floor and aiden were two different scenes of music mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna get to. I'm gonna start off a little bit talking about who Davy Vanity is, who like what the relevance of Blood on the Dance Floor, um, and then the allegations against him. So, Blood. Okay, so sorry. So Davy Vanity, his name sounds ridiculous, and it's because it's not his real name. So do not think <laughs> that Davy Vanity is that he had parents that named him that. No, his yeah. name was mm-hmm. ironically. Jesus, David Torres. <laughs> um, <laughs> as we will see here, not very Christ-like. Um, but a very Hispanic name. It seems like wow. his parents had high hopes for him. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. But <laughs> unfortunately, we'll see that. <clears throat> yeah. Yikes. When, when you ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Please don't ask yourself what this Jesus would do. Yeah. Ask yourself not, what the real yeah. Jesus would do. Anyway. <laughs> so I'm not going to refer to him as Torres. I'm going to call him Davy Vanity because that's his that's his artist's name. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I call him Torres, it just gets confusing. Um, although there are some articles that refer to him as Torres and other articles refer to him as Vanity or Davy Vanity. But I'm going to refer to him as Davy Vanity. So I could not, for some reason, I could not find his actual birthday, but I hmm. know that he was born in 1984. That was as specific as the articles could tell me. So he would be 38 now, um, or about to be 38. So he, um, so when Blood on the Dance Floor became big, it consisted, it was like a duo. It consisted of Davey Vanity and Jay Vaughn Monroe who mm. was born in 1991. Um, he was seven years younger than Davy Vanity, which will come up later. Um, mm, okay. 
But yeah, so Jay Von Monroe, Jay spelled with two Y's, by the way. Um, you're also there's also okay. Also, I'm sorry. The names in this, the names of these artists, huge eye roll. Okay. Yeah, like what? Okay, Monroe. Whatever. Yes. Wait, so is Monroe? Is is Monroe the same one as Dolly, or is that somebody different? Is that is him? It's him. Oops. Yeah. Because okay. I, I I like um I think I can say unless we find out some fucked up shit I do like Dolly. Right. I was I was rooting for them on um, in Dracula. Um. Okay. But there's nothing about him, so you're safe. Well, at least for now. Okay. Cool. We don't know anything. Um. But yeah. So they were seven years younger than Davy. Uh, vanity. So, but that was at their peak. We're going to see that they were kind of like different members, but at their peak, uh, it was them two. Um, so this group, as crappy as they were, somehow they were able to make nine albums before breaking up in 2016. Wait, nine albums? Yes. Um, I guess air album what? should be an air bunnies air quotes because we don't okay. know if it was like three songs. We don't know. Yep. Like, we don't okay. Know. Uh, but they broke up in 2016 after Monroe left the band, which oh. I was in college in 2016. Like, it just kind of seemed, when yeah. I had known about Blood on the Dance Floor, we had known about Blood on the Dance Floor since like high school. So it's interesting yeah. to me that they were able to stay relevant because it seemed For like, yeah, because it seemed like the scene that he was in was a very short lived scene, but meh. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure, like, it felt like the scene was kind of like dying off a bit in by like the late 2000 or late 2000s, early 2010s. Like, definitely by the time I was in, like, I think we both started undergrad. Like, the scene was kind of like shifting towards something yeah. else. Like, it was it was becoming not as popular as yeah. it was before. Well, I mean, you have a bunch of scene kids with raccoon hair and like <laughs> eyeliner joining the workforce. Like, eventually, they were gonna have to, you know tame it you know and kind of yeah. like you know kind of lighten up a little bit Kids yeah again. yeah um but yeah so Monroe left in 2016 and the group formed again well okay so I wrote this in the beginning of my notes and I said new guy Fallon Vendetta Fallon Vendetta <laughs> is not a guy it's apparent it was oh, apparently okay. David Vanity's girlfriend at the time um, oh. And then I said, however, Vendetta left, and I put in parentheses, left sinking ship. And then, mm-hmm. <laughs> then the group just became Davy. Um, and so, since 2000. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I have another question. Yes. I'm sorry. Um, I recall watching a video where there was a blonde person, like a blonde man, like in the band. Or was that just a touring, a person touring? Because there was like, I can't remember if it was before. Jay Monroe started or after, but I, I thought I remembered like a blonde male presenting person uh, in the band. So I don't know. I didn't look up how what any of these people look like. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know about a blonde man, but there were several members. So okay, yeah. So it might have been before Jay Von Monroe. Um, so since 2019, Davy Vanity has been performing under the name Kawaii Monster. Which barf, yeah, barf. What? Um, and most recent, <laughs> most recently, most vivid nightmares. Wait, that's his name. Apparently, most vivid. Well, it kind of checks out because he kind of looks like a nightmare. So yes, yes, he does. Um, so if you go on Instagram, you will find out most vivid nightmares. Um, 
It, they have 1,526 followers, hmm. about 20 posts, most recently of February 7th of this year. So he's still like somewhat active, but he's very, 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 very low key now. Um, if you look up Davy Vanity, like just for him, like his Instagram page hasn't been, his Instagram page as Davy Vanity hasn't been active since 2014. Same with Jay hmm. Von Monroe, like his Instagram page. Sorry, their Instagram page has not been active since, like, 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but just giving you a little bit of relevance of where he is now. Um, okay. okay, so Blood on the Dance Floor uh, started around September 2006. We were in, what, seventh grade? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Tora, so this is where the article started referring to as Torres. But Davey Vanity along with two people called Christopher Mangilo and Rebecca Fugate, or Fugate, I don't know. They were actually a trio, and they were called Love the Fashion. And this group was formed on Davy Manatee's 22nd birthday. Hilariously, this group started off as a joke, and it remains a joke for the rest of Davy Manatee's career. The only thing was, <laughs> he wasn't in on the joke. Um, but yeah, so it was claimed to have started as a joke. Mm. Um, and I love that he uses the word joke as if like the rest of his career is to be taken seriously <laughs> but whatever Right. this group would later turn into Blood on the Dance Floor in 2007 um, they started an album so their first album came out in 2008 and it was called Let's Start a Riot so as Davy Vanity wanted to go on tour Majila and Fugate Fuga- I'm going to call her Fugate were unable to go on tour. doesn't say why, just for some reason they weren't able to go on tour. So they then left during the recording of the second album. Um, so then, with the, with the departure of these two people, Garrett Marshall McLaughlin, lovingly called Garrett Ecstasy, barf, um, was recruited, and they ended up doing vocals for the recording of the second album. So this was in October 2008. Um, music has been described as having hypersexual lyrics, which I'm actually going to share some, um, electronica, electric, sorry, electronic dance pop crunk core, which if anybody Broke. knows broke inside. Oh yeah. Do you want to, you got me. No. Um, uh, what's the name? How's that song though? Let's get um, freaky now. Let's get fucking let's freaky, get fucking freaky, freaky now. now. Let's get freaky. <gasps> let's get freaky <laughs> now. <laughs> and then the last part where it's like, liar, liar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's another memory unlocked. Oh, oh, by the way, um, so this was from this part was taken from a Wikipedia article. And if you're, like, you know, read Wikipedia, you see that, like, when they talk about certain things, um, they, like, they give you kind of, like, a little explanation. And so, Crunk Core was was described as crunk, heavy metal, pop, electronic, dance music, screamy vocals, and hip-hop beats with sexually provocative lyrics. Hmm. Hilariously, HuffPost had apparently gone to UrbanDictionary.com and apparently to describe what Crunkcore is. And apparently they got, they're apparently, on, if you go look up Crunkcore in UrbanDictionary.com, it is described as one of the worst genres of all time. 
<laughs> which I agree with. But it was almost yeah. like, I don't know. I look back on Crunk Core kind of like, I don't know. It's just, it's so bad, but you just can't, it just kind of takes you to a certain time in your life. And you can't help yeah. but think of it like in a nostalgic way. Like when I hear, yeah. when I hear Freaks by Broken Side, which is that saying, we ju- the song we just sang, which has three X's, by the way, in Freaks, even though <laughs> there's no X in there, actually. But I don't know. I hear that song and it just takes me back. I look back on it like in that memory with like fondness. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, those were simpler times. Let's get freaking out. Okay, we have to watch yeah. that music video together after this is recording. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but yeah, so they were, the music was described as like crunk core. Um, and their most popular song uh, is Bewitched, which is what we sang <laughs> at the beginning of the story. <laughs> Girl, you got me bewitched. Um, it was made popular by, like I mentioned, and it currently, uh, it actually might be more because this, um, the current views that was mentioned was in the Huffington Post and the Huffington Post article came out like in 2018, 2019. So it might have more, but it holds 24 million views, which is not bad for a pretty shitty band. Um, Yeah, I'm actually surprised. Yeah. So that's their most popular song. Um, and their fan base is mostly tweens and teenagers. So please remember that as we get through this. So this is where we start talking about the the early rumblings of Davy Vanity being a predator. So this is where I'm going to put my trigger warning. Because um, this is where I'm going to try to be... I'm going to try to be discreet with like the acts that were committed and just kind of keep it straight to the point. Um, so... Um, so in 2008, um, with Garrett Ecstasy and Davey Vanity, they recorded singles as a duo in 2008, and then in 2009, embarked on a tour called OMFG. Gross. And this was kind of like in prom- promotion of their album that would carry the same name. So as the tour continued, um, Ecstasy left the band after accusing Davey Vanity of becoming a sexual, of being a sexual predator. So as early as 2009, people outside, people who weren't just the victims, people around him were already accusing him of being a sexual predator. Um, and according to the Huffington Post, which I got some of, a lot of this information from, um, Garrett Ecstasy, or McLaughlin, described Vanity's behavior as disturbing. And he used to witness or he witnessed Davy Vanity wandering off with young female fans before and after the shows. Um, so basically ecstasy was like, yeah, there's actually, I'm actually going to, um, so sorry. So like I was, I used like four different articles doing this. So I might, some of the information might come back later. So I'm going to try to make this as concise as possible, but just, Bear with me and my ADHD rattled brain if I end up jumping from point to point. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so we'd wander off to female show, uh, females with female fans. Um, Ecstasy was then replaced by Jeremy Brian Griffiths, known as Jay Von Monroe, who was 17 years old at the time. So at 17 years old, they are joining this group and going on tour, which can yeah that's really young even though it's a in at the time uh a male 
or a uh, uh, signed at birth male signed at birth um still um mm-hmm. also added a drummer rapper and had to include this because it was ridiculous the the added the drummer rapper nick quote unquote nasty wenzel <laughs> nick nasty wenzel yes. okay so the idea of omfg with ecstasy's vocals was discarded and was later rebranded as like i don't know called epic with von monroe now doing the vocals and so this album was set to be released in 2010 so collaborated this this in this album they collaborated with jeffree star before they became the beauty the beauty mogul that they are now um this is when jeffree star was known to us scene kids or emo kids as like the 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 weird weird yeah the, yeah um, my the MySpace, the weirdly famous MySpace yeah. makeup artist. Well, to this point, I still don't know how they were. I, I still don't. Like, I get now their fame because it's like makeup, beauty influencer. Like, I get that. But mm-hmm. at the time, it was like, what did they bring to the table? I don't remember. Yeah, I think that literally, like, they just went to. Sh- I, I feel like they just went to shows and was just part of that scene, and right. people noticed them, uh, and they posted like. Yeah, and there was also like a lot of like gender bending, gender fucking that I think, that I think like we weren't used to. Like we didn't know what we were watching, like we didn't know what we were looking at. Yeah, but we knew that it was Mm -hmm. different. It was. I guess like at the time, like us younger people, like because we were, I think they were relevant to people our age, like the MySpace generation. So Mm -hmm. I think that like it was. I think at the time, the only thing we could describe it as was like freaky. Because it wasn't yeah. what we were used to seeing. I think now the kids now have like language to just to you know have a language to describe like non-binary, you know, um, non-binary or gender fluid things like that. Where at the time it was just kind of like, you know, this, you know, I don't know, this person works. Yeah, I up. would say. Yeah, because I would say maybe I'm wrong or whatever, but I would say that back then, um, drag. Not that what Jeffrey was doing was drag, right. but just, I, I feel like, um, like, kind of, like you were saying, like, gender bending, gender, like, non-binary, right. like, we didn't have that language back right. then, and I wasn't really familiar right. with folks who identified um, as, uh, like, non-binary back then, um, and so, and I brought up drag only because um, I was going to say that, like, not that what Jeffrey was doing was drag, but just that, just to put in context, like, for example, like, Drag Race and stuff, I don't even think, even though Drag Race started in, like, the, what, like, the mid-2000s or late 2000s Um, or 2008, 2009. Yeah, like, it wasn't, like, to me, at least, like, to me, it wasn't, like, super mainstream at that point, the way it is, no. might be now. No, yeah. And yeah. I think also, I mean, I think the emo, I think, honestly, I might be wrong, but I feel like emo, like, the emo culture was really accepting of gender bending. But we didn't know yeah. that it was accepted. We didn't know it at the time. But when you think about yeah. guys wearing makeup, guys wearing female jeans, like it was a running joke in the scene that like g- guys mm-hmm. would wear their girlfriend's jeans. But it was like yeah. there was so much gender bending going on. Like the guys were called pussies mm-hmm. because they were, you know, emotional. Like, you yeah, know, there was a lot of gender bending going on. But like we didn't know that was happening. And also Jeffree Star, yeah. like I don't know if you remember, but, you know, because they were like in the scene with Evolve with a lot of the bands that we followed. There were a lot of pictures that come up with like Jeffrey Star kissing Davy Havoc from AFI, kissing mm-hmm. Gerard Way, and there was a lot of like that whole like queer baiting 
that I think if yeah. it happened, I think if it happened now, people would be in an uproar because it was a lot of mm-hmm. queer baiting. It was a lot of like, I mean, were some of them bisexual? Maybe like we don't know, but it seemed like there was a lot of like public teasing and queer baiting to make it seem like oh this is scandalous two men kissing or like you know mm-hmm. you know yeah i don't know it was it i don't know it was i think i think a lot of jeffree star's allure at the time was shock value and i think and exactly I think now jeffree star was smart and kind of did what kim kardashian did which is like you use your infamy you turn it on its head and you build an industry off yep. like a beauty industry off the infamy that you had because Jeffree Star mm-hmm. in, now is unrecognizable to how yeah. they were in like 2007 yeah, yeah. and most people most people now like uh, except for, again uh, those of us who were part of like the MySpace right. generation and like grew up then like most people don't probably don't even know a re- like where Jeffree got like where Jeffree got their start right. <sighs> anyway sorry we're like going to nostalgic Hold. okay anyway yeah so yeah so there was collaboration with jeffree star and they went on tour spring and summer of 2010 however this collaboration with jeffree star was scrapped um as jeffree star accused vanity of being a pedophile and a predator mm. uh he claimed uh they claimed sorry to have witnessed predatory behavior however um star would later retract these statements kind of pedal back um i don't know why um, hmm. I don't know why, but would then later go on to collaborate with Vanity again in 2014. So that might have been why. I don't know. Mm. Um, so in the six years of making music, the band and I wrote uh, this is me being the band was somehow or somewhat successful, um, <laughs> and they became a prominent figure in the scene kids scene. So if mm-hmm. you don't know what uh, scene kids are, it they were like really big. I want to say like 2008, 2009. Um, the yeah, a lot of really big teased hair. Um, sometimes these are like raccoon stripes. Um, lots mm. of like it was kind of like it was a lot of people got emo kids and scene kids confused, but emo kids were yeah. like emo kids was like more black i think they yeah. more 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 of the black and like they i i, I feel like the, like emo kids like were more um maybe i think it was more about the like maybe i'm wrong actually no i was gonna say it was more about the music but i don't think that's true because i think sing kids were about the music too yeah but it was less about the fashion with emo kids yeah like you had the, the black the standard black you know band t-shirt skinny jeans converse yeah. skater shoes vans um, and that's pretty much it. Whereas like the scene kids, they're the ones that, you know, bright colors and like you were saying, like, I'm, I'm going to be hair. honest with you. I thought scene kids were emo kids with money. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it was more expensive. To me. If you went, it was, it was more high maintenance to be a scene kid than it was to be an emo kid. Yeah. Uh, because an emo, yeah, an emo kid, more. you just kind of had to have like little swoop black eyeliner that you could get at any drugstore, just wear black anything some mm-hmm. beat up shoes and then you were emo whereas you like you to be seen like you needed to afford hair dye you also needed to have a mom that would let you wear your hair like that first of all um and then you know yeah. there's just like a lot more going on um i f- i felt like goth people also got goth and emo confused but goth is like mm. goth all black and you hate the world emo was like all black and you hate yourself okay. Um, that makes sense and then seeing kids yeah. like hated themselves too but seeing kids was kind of like 
There was a lot more color. Yeah, it was just more vi- like it just yeah. felt more vibrant. Yeah. Um, and there was that whole like, and then the imagery of like, um, just an example like dinosaur, rah, yeah. like it was just more like lively, um, more co- like just more colors. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's hard to di- like very hard to distinguish, yeah. but I think the way you put it was good. I mean, I was anti scene kid. I would I am an emo kid through and through and through. Like I thought scene kids, yeah, were like scene kids were like. I don't know. Like, for me, scene kids were kind of just, like, people that had, like, more money and people that, like... I also feel like scene kid music was really trash. Even though, mm-hmm. like, emo music yeah, was also chaotic. Yeah. I was definitely more of an... I was definitely more of an emo kid, too. Um, but I also felt that, like, the barrier to entry to be a scene kid was a little bit harder yeah. as a, like, a non-white person. Right. Mainly because, like, um, I always resented the fact that I could never have my hair like go the way like this like a white scene kid's hair would go yeah. because like even if I was allowed to do whatever shit to my hair like I would have to like burn like first of all I need to get a relaxer right um in order to straighten my hair and I would need to burn and I did this in like middle school and high school I straightened my hair every day um but and I'd have to get like um I had to get like actual like a uh, haircut swoop thing but because my hair is like um is coarse my bangs never <laughs> like stayed down they always like flew up it looks so <laughs> dumb I, even, I hated it even back then like it looks fucking stupid um so yeah so yeah but I've seen like other like black scene yeah. kids who've who've been able to accomplish that and I guess you could accomplish that with a wig but it's so high but... ma- see being a scene kid is so high maintenance like it was it so is. high maintenance yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. I looked like an emo George Washington because I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't allowed to do anything because my parents I was an emo kid <laughs> I was an emo child to Pentecostal parents so what I had yeah. to do was I had to get bangs and then because I couldn't get like my own Justin Bieber swoop haircut I had to put my put my hair in like a little bun low bun and then mm-hmm. I had to. And then I would let my bangs out. So it looked like a swoop from the front. But in the back, there's like a yeah. ponytail that made me look like George Washington. Like, I remember that. Yeah, it was, ugly. <laughs> it was so ugly. Ugh. Anyway, sorry. Going back. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So they, they so Blood on the Dance Floor became somewhat successful. Again, they weren't, they were kind of like on Aiden level of like, they weren't going to be played on MTV. Like they weren't gonna be mentioned they weren't gonna win any vmas but if you were a scene kid if you were part of the scene you knew who they Mm -hmm. were like they were thanks to myspace soundcloud like you knew who they were um Mm -hmm. so in 2016 vanity announced that the group had disbanded after jay von monroe's departure and so uh david vanity tried to reunite with new members but then they broke up again and so this is what led him to kind of picking up new projects rebranding themselves and um the most of a nightmare is in 2020 um i live with my parents so i can't really talk smack about this but just because it's av vanity i'm gonna say it as of april 2019 he is currently living with his parents in florida i don't know why i feel like if you're a huge rock star you should not be living with your parents but yeah I mean, I mean, yeah, because I mean, you would think that being, yeah, I mean, it's not weird to live with your parents, but like, you would think, like, yeah. you would think, given his past, that he would be a little bit, yeah, 
they'd be in a different situation. Yeah. Okay. I need to go pick up my food from yes. the door real quick. Keep talking. Yeah, so um, this is where the sexual assault... Al- okay, so this is the real trigger warning. I'm sorry. Um, but the sexual assault allegations. So the allegations first surfaced in 2009. Um, or at least started making their way on the internet. We're actually going to see in a little bit that these allegations kind of started before 2009. Um, but at least 21 women have made sexual assault, molestation, and rape allegations against Baby Vanity. Um, Mm. so as mentioned before, both Monroe, um, leaving like in 2016 and ecstasy leaving in 2009 had left the group because of his credit, because of vanity's predatory behavior. So according to the Huffington post, going back to, um, Garrett, I think that's his name, ecstasy. I'm going to call him ecstasy. Um, going back to his departure, he described vanity's behavior as disturbing. And like I said before, used to wander off of female fans. Um, so there isn't a particular incident, though, that made him leave the band. And this happened in 2009. So Torres was actually arrested in 2009. Um, and one of the young women at the show accused him of sexual assault. Um, so, and we're, this is going to come back, this is going to come up again later. But, um, so ecstasy said that he and a friend had walked out into, in the, like to the parking lot to hang out, um, on blow the dance floors tour van until the show started. Um, so they were, they went to look for the van and they couldn't find it where they had been parked originally. So. I guess they were surprised that the van had been moved to a place where it was dark and secluded. So nobody was around. Um, so they, when they saw it, they walked towards it. They opened the door and they found Davy Vanity inside with two girls that, according to Garrett Ecstasy, looked really young. And these are were, these were his words. Um, really young teenagers. Um, mm. Davy Vanity, upon seeing you know Ecstasy and his friend in... He, according to Ecstasy, chased us away. He said, chased us away. And he didn't want them anywhere near the van. So it was kind of like, dude, like, can't you see him doing something? Um, okay, that's sus. Then, I guess, he went back inside of the venue. Which, I mean, I think, like, if you've never seen that kind of behavior before, it can be kind of shocking. And also, mm-hmm. like, if you're working with someone, you don't want to think of the person you're working with and the person you share a space with is a predator. So you're probably like, yeah. man, like, maybe I just didn't, maybe I just, like, misread the situation. So he went back into the venue. The time passed. And then it's time for them to start getting ready for the show. Davey Vanity is not showing up when he needs to be there. Um, so everyone's kind of freaking out. They're like, dude, where is this guy? Um, also, the tour van is gone. So they don't know, like, where the van is. They don't know where Davey Vanity is. Um, and so, so then Garrett Ecstasy is kind of like, dude, you know, I'm getting worried. Like, this is not cool. This is not normal. And then all of a sudden, Davey Vandy shows up just in time for the show. And they kind of go on stage as if, like, nothing's happening. However, they play about, like, two songs. And then, like, the show gets shut down. Um, police come. They arrest Davey Vanity. And Garrett Ecstasy says he sees one of the girls that was in the van um crying and is pointing to davy vanity 
and he can hear the the young woman say that Dave Vanity had forced her to perform oral sex. So, um, yeah. So then, going back, going to Jay Von Monroe's, you know, experience. Monroe says um, about his time. Oh, sorry, about their time. Um, about their time in the group. They said it became embarrassing, and I didn't want to tell people what band I was in. Um, and then they said, I think that. So when explaining Dave Vanity's behavior, they said, I think that um, Vanity had a very child has a very childlike mind, and that's why he's able to, I guess, get into the heads of these kids and manipulate their thoughts and minds and what they idolize. Um, Monroe also used to live with uh, Davy Vanity in Arizona and said that they remember Davy Vanity bringing home teenage girls to their house. And um, Davy Vanity actually did an interview with our, one of our favorite guys. Do you, do, you, do you know who they did an interview with? Um, one of our favorite guys? Have a seat. Why don't you have a seat? Give me a hint. Oh my God, Chris Hansen! Yes, uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> oh do you want to know what? Do you want to know what his show's called? What? Have a seat with Chris Hansen. Oh <laughs> my God, I love it. Have a seat. What did you have? A seat oh with? my God! So is it like on YouTube? I think so. Yeah. This is amazing. Now I get more to catch a predator content. Have a seat. Why don't you have a seat? <laughs> I just love, what like, I know, like, I know it's not supposed to be funny, but I just have, like, vivid memories watching To Catch yes, a Predator in middle school. Yes. Yeah, and then, like, having, um, like, the Predator will sit down, and then Chris Hansen will just bust out of, of like, nowhere, like, behind yeah. curtains, talking about, like, tr- like, like, interrupting the conversation, like, so tell me about what you're going to do with the cat, or something like that. Uh, yeah. Because remember there was one... There was one episode where he, the, the guy was yeah. like talking about cats. Yeah. Oh my God. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? You said that you. <laughs> oh, it pulls up the transcripts. <laughs> yeah. That's, let's look at the transcripts. You say, <laughs> just the way his inflection like goes up, you say that you're going to come over and bring condoms. <laughs> What's in the bag? What's in the bag? <laughs> What'd you bring here today? Uh, Cheetos and condoms? What are the condoms for? <laughs> and then the guy's like, and, and then the guy's like, can I leave now? Of course. You're free, You're free to, go. to go. You're free to go. And then he gets tackled <laughs> on the front lawn. <laughs> um, you know what, though? Credit to Chris Hansen and Catch a Predator because because of those shows, I think I was so hyper aware of older men trying to get with us that mm-hmm. I feel like, had I not been, had I not watched that show, I don't think I would have been as aware. I was definitely much more vigilant because yep. of that show. Yeah, I used to watch I watched that with like my parents. Yeah. And so it was, that was I think yeah, I was going to say like that was much more effective than any after school special. Could. Yeah, cuz I just saw in real time like oh, these are these people on the internet could potentially just be like gross like middle-aged yes. men. Well, Von Monroe did an interview with Chris Hansen. Um so they, so they actually accused Dave Vanity of abuse as well. Um, so, mm. like abuse on, on them. Von Monroe. Yeah. Um, okay. 
So they actually came out with like a whole letter in like 2016, 2017. And I actually remember reading about this letter when it came out. Um, and I remembered it and I actually was one of the reasons why I looked it up. But um, this is when basically Von Bun Monroe was like, I left the group because A, he's a predator and also he's just abusive. Um, so mm-hmm. some of the accusations include... Okay, so basically on tour, Von Monroe was diagnosed with having HIV. And mm-hmm. so... Basically, Von Monroe's thinking was like, you know, I need to get this treated under control before I go on tour. And Davy Vanity was like, nah. So he basically forced Von Monroe to go on tour without HIV medication, which led him to, which fuck? led them to almost contracting AIDS. Yeah. That's horrific. Yeah, and, That's absolutely horrific. Yeah, and in Von Monroe's own words, uh, they were in really bad shape by the end of the tour. And had to be oh put God. through treatment. And fortunately, were not, you know, was not getting, had not contracted AIDS yet. But, um, yeah, it was, yeah, bad. And then McLaughlin, Monroe, and Hudson, I don't know who Hudson is. Oh, it might have been uh, Fallon Vendetta. Um, oh. All said that Davy Vanity controlled the band's money and refused to pay them. Oh, which is, we can, I mean, if the allegations towards, you know, William Control is true. Or Will Francis is true. Controlling money seems to be like a theme with these with predators. Um, mm-hmm. So instead, he so he refused to pay for them. So in or sorry, he refused to pay them. Um, so instead, he'd pay for their food. He would make them ask permission to use credit cards or make any other sort of expenses, whether they were band related or like personal, like personal. Um, and then Von Monroe said that they finally left Bill the dance floor. Um, after he was diagnosed as, as if they were diagnosed as HIV positive and Torres, like, sorry, TV vanity refused to pay for the medical treatment unless Von Monroe agreed to go on tour. And what a fucker. Yeah. Um, fortunately, like I said before, they were able to make a full recovery after leaving the band. Um, goodness. Von Monroe also cited or also claimed that there were creative differences in the sexual nature of their lyrics. Um, basically what, what they were trying to say was that like, what, what Von Monroe mentioned in one of the articles in the letter actually was that, um, was that at first their lyrics had some sort of substance to them when Von Monroe joined, but then as iTunes sales started going down and people started streaming, like streaming became more prominent way of getting music. That meant that their platform was kind of like they weren't as relevant as they were before. So in an effort to make themselves more relevant, then they started creating lyrics for shock value. And Von Monroe was like, you know, our fan base is a bunch of teenage girls, which they claimed like at the time, like when they were 17, 18, 19, like, you know, these are girls my age. Like it's not as creepy, but the older he got, the more uncomfortably felt they felt singing these lyrics to to a bunch of teenage preteen girls. So that was like a huge thing. And then also, um, Von Monroe claimed that there was this weird daddy relationship because between them because of the whole um, you know 
Davy Vanity not providing money. So whenever Davy Vanity, like Davy Vanity could have paid his, like, sorry, Von Monroe could have paid his, sorry, my pronouns are getting messed up. Davy Vanity would not give Von Monroe money. So Von Monroe couldn't pay rent. Uh, Von Monroe's mom would ask them, you know, why don't you ever have money? Um, Basically, that's what, that's what they meant by saying weird daddy relationship, where they needed to ask permission to do things. Um, and then if it was the band's like HR, like rep, this would be like, this would just be like a horrific, I mean, it already is, but like withholding pay and not allowing your, like your coworker or your colleague to take medical leave. This is a horrific workplace environment. Right. Um, and then also, um, Apparently, Von Monroe wrote a lot of wrote most of the sorry most of the lyrics, and Davy Vanity only paid them a thousand dollars for two weeks worth of singing of of writing, and then also once once Von Monroe left the group, refused to give Von Monroe credit. Davy Vanity refused to give Von Monroe credit and was singing songs in their honor, almost like profit profiting off von monroe's illness fuck that shit yeah so that w- that's von monroe's experience um vanity of course has vehemently denied these accusations um and has either denied these accusations threatened the people who have made the allegations and has evaded questions um hmm. so in 2020 chris hansen it announced that they were going to be investigating vanity um and has had several interviews with victims um so yeah so as i mentioned before chris hansen is the host of have a seat with chris hansen and in uh so like and also like they were able to see that the fan base is mostly teen and tweens um so their lyrics are super raunchy and hypersexualized. So some of the things that they've that Davy Vanity has encouraged in these songs is promoted revenge porn uh, in a song called "Revenge Porn." Um, and I'm gonna read you some lyrics. Um, mm. So I've actually, I think you and I have never liked Blood on the Dance Floor as a band, and so we never listened to the mm-hmm. music. So I actually yeah. just was like, I never pay attention to the lyrics, but it was just more like. The music itself just sucks. <laughs> so, but yeah, so this is a lyric from Revenge Porn. Bamf or badass motherfucker mode has been activated. Why did our love grown complicated? Cheated on me and broke my heart. Gonna show the world your private parts. A bright idea popped in my head. Figured out a way to get even instead. Found a website called IAU. And guess what, honey? I'm gonna post your nudes what the fuck yeah and these are like teens yeah pre-teens teens listening to this also influencing them to potentially do that shit also crappy songwriting um oh yeah and then another theme was so another common theme in their music is sexual degradation and specifically targeted at humiliating women so there's a song called i'm a monster and then in parentheses, hard on my sleeve. So very deep. So right. how can you be a monster but wear your heart on your right. sleeve? 
Anyways. <laughs> um, maybe it's a play on words. I don't know. So the lyrics are, last for hours, not for minutes. Okay. Um, okay. Open wide for my surprise. Scratch and blow oh. for your grand prize. Smear it on your plastic face. Leave you with a sweeter taste. Oh, gross. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kristen. We're going to this. Super soaker on your chest. Let it drip down on your breasts. Gotta get out the pickle. Uh, Wait, say that. Say the pickle part again. Sorry, I hate. Uh, I hate the word pickle. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm sorry. This is really hard. Okay. <laughs> God, if you can see my face right now, it is red. I'm humiliated. Yeah, I can't believe someone like right saying this in front of people. Okay. Um, gotta get out the pickle. Make it. Ew. Make it rain with the ripples. Let my candy rum trickle. Get you buzzed with double triples. Huh? Getting head in rentals. Avoiding the parentals. This is ghetto, plain and simple, with a downbeat tempo. What do you mean ghetto? And avoiding parentals? Okay, so that's clearly a sign. If you are having sex with women of age, you do not have to worry about parentals. Right? Okay. So yeah, so then their interact their interactions with fans was always documented as creepy. And I think Kristen, I, I think you remember when we were in middle school and even high school, we all knew about Blood on the Dance Floor's like yeah. creepiness. Like it, this wasn't a very like open secret. Oh and, yeah, like, yeah. those allegations have been like, going on for uh, a yeah, while. Yeah, I remember. You actually were the one who told me. They were like, "Oh, did you know?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I remember. Um, but the Huffington Post article that I read. Or maybe it was metalsucks.com. It was one of the articles that actually mentioned that there was a clip, a YouTube clip, that was actually recorded by somebody at a concert. It's available on YouTube. It's just like a 50-second clip. But it was recorded by a person who, according to the to the caption, was dragged, his their words, was dragged to a um, was dragged to a Blood on the Dance Floor concert. And it's basically Davy Vanity addressing the crowd of mainly preteen and teen girls and this is what this and this is recorded and i actually saw the recording this is what this is what he said you guys are better than sex i just want to come on all of your little titties tonight he said this to a crowd of preteen individuals yeah little titties what do you think that means that's just (laughs) Yes. That's absolutely fucking disgusting, first and foremost. Yes. I I'm I'm sort of I'm sort of speechless. Like that's disgusting. Yes. Uh yes. I when I saw that I wanted to vomit. Like if I was a parent and yes. I somehow like if I was a parent, I'd been like get your things, we're fucking leaving. What's the thing? And you're never coming to this concert yes, again. I agree. Ugh. Um but yeah. So that just kind of shows the kind of creep that he is. Um, so Metal Sucks did an expose in 2008. So that's actually where I got a lot of my information as well. Um, so they were made. There were so Metal Sucks actually featured specific allegations of sexual assault, and many of the women who were um, making these allegations were underage at the time um, of the assaults, and they actually a lot of these women actually went on to also do share their um share their experiences with um vice 
and um, Huffington Post. Um, so, um, yeah, if you're still with us, here's another trigger warning. Um, so, um, some of the incidents, some of the, there are a lot of commonalities in like the alleged assaults. There's a lot of common factors. Um, it seems like there's a particular ways that he has his preferences as to how he assaults. Um, so there's incidences of him overpowering them physically, which, I mean, that's a fat shame, Davy Vanity. But big dude, he's a little thicker. Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, if you're a 15-year-old girl, you're probably going to be on the petite side. Um, and obviously a man overpowering you, like, that's not dif- that difficult to do. Um, another common thing is a lot of these women were forced to perform fellatio, um, which is oral sex on Davy Vanity. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of acts of sexual violence. Um, and, and there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of stories I read about, um, these allegations and it seemed like a lot of the things that these victims had said was that the sexual violence was played off as BDSM and basically he was having, you know, he was sexually assaulting women who had little to no experience sexually um sounds familiar yeah and so basically he would say this is just kind of how bdsm is and you know if you're a girl and you don't if you're a young girl and you don't know what bdsm is if you don't or all you know about bdsm is what you've seen in the media which is just like violent sex it's easy to believe that like that's how it is when it's like bdsm is something completely different so so yeah um and then also there's a lot of emotionally abusive and manipulative behavior definitely some allegations of grooming um so yeah uh and then in the huff post in december 2008 they had spoken to 12 women um and then these assaults range from 2006 to 2015 and the victims were as young as 13 and then in april 2019 mm. huff post made um made like made an updated version of their investigation with 21 women having accused Davy Vanity in the uh, follow-up. Um, wow. Yeah, so... Um, Davy Vanity, like I said before, has acknowledged these allegations, has been defensive and in denial, um, and he's actually addressed these allegations in his music. There is a song... They wrote a, he wrote a song called You Done Goofed. This will come up later. Um, but in this lyric... Uh, he writes, "Your fiction trash talking is done out of hate, but I'm about to murder. I'm about to murder it all. I'm about to eradicate. Look at me, I'm beautiful, not a suspect of rape." Um, and then, "Crucified by Your Lies," which is another song, he writes, "Bitches with their lies almost pushed me into suicide. Call me a rapist. Here's the truth. Can you take it? And my name and reputation will be the target of a slut." Wow. Yeah. Calling the calling the accuser a slut. Yeah. And we're supposed to be on your side. Right. Especially when these accusers were young women. Uh, mm. Yeah. So um so like I said before, in the Vice article, the Metal Sucks article, and the Huffington Post articles, there were specific there were women who had come out and said what they had done, what he had done to them. So I'm gonna read a couple of them. I'm only going to say their first mm-hmm. names because they were mentioned in the articles. Um, but I will say 
not to make this about me, not to make this about me, but having to read stories of women's sexual assault over and over and over again was really depressing. Um, I really had to take a break. I had to walk, I had to walk away and like start cooking or doing something because it was, it was a lot like 21 women reading about 21 women. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a lot. Um, so I just picked, it's not that I picked these because these were most important. I picked these because I felt all of them were important. I think all these women's experiences are important, but I picked the ones, the first ones that came up because mm-hmm. I just could I couldn't go through them all. Like it was it was a lot. Um but yeah. according to Metal Sucks, um so there was a young woman named Sh- there's a young woman named Shay who was 14 at the time of the assault. Um she claimed to have been groped outside of a concert venue while asking Davy Vanny to sign her shirt. So do you remember like when we would go to concerts and you would wait outside for the just a glimpse of your favorite rock star? Um mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, she apparently, like, she wanted, so she had a shirt that, I think, I don't know, you might have had a shirt like this, I had a shirt like this, where you take it to every concert you go, and then you kind of just ask the band member, any band member that you can get your hands on, sign my shirt, please, and so it's kind of like, well, that's yeah, cute. it's kind of like this collection of band signatures, and so that's the shirt she wanted mm-hmm. him to sign, but then he ended up signing her shirt, the one she was wearing, and ended up groping her breasts in the process, and then at then at another show, her mother was assaulted by Davy Vanity. Um, so she took her daughter to the concert. She obviously hated the music. So she ends up, you know, do you remember like when we would go to concerts too and like our, the parents or whatever parent chaperone would just like go sit at the bar or sit where all the parents were? Yeah. yeah. I, remember when, I remember when we went to see, were you there when uh, we went to see All Time Low with? The no, I wasn't there. Um, well, the girl, Katie's mom, was sitting at the bar while we jammed on. Anyway. Yeah. I know at, at Warped Tour, they used to have, like, adult daycare yeah. where parents could hang out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. So, her mom was sitting at the bar. Um, and then Davy Vanity starts, like, in the middle of the show, starts walking through the crowd with a girl on a leash. And then approaches the bar and then see, and then takes a drink and pours it on this woman's chest. And then tries to make out with her. And then so the woman has to push her off. And so after that, Shay was kind of... What the fuck? Yeah, so then after that, Shay was kind of like, nah, I'm not into this anymore. And then we have... And then there's the case of Belle, who had known Davy Vanity since she was 14. And this was in 2013. Um, so she frequently went to his shows, uh, Blood on the Dance Floor shows. Father even knew him. Um, apparently Davy Vanity called her father dad as well um, yeah <sighs> and so Davy Vanity would give her rides they would be in constant communication they would text each other um, one time he stopped talking to her because he had asked her to meet her meet him in some secluded area and she just like flat out mm-hmm. refused but then like later when she was like I don't know later she started like posting things on social media and he started like kind of leaving little flirty messages in particular. There's this one picture when she was 17 of her dressed up as Harley Quinn. And he was like leaving like little flirty messages saying that she was beautiful, you know, stuff that you want to hear when you're 17, you know? Um, and then when she was 18 years old, he called her on her birthday. Um, and they were on the phone for about like 30, 40 minutes. 
mainly him complimenting her boobs. He apparently is like a boob guy. Like he just, all he does is talk about women's breasts. Um, and then he offered to pick her up at 5 a.m. to meet. Um, and okay, yeah, and she was like hesitant about it at first, but he was like, oh no, it's 5 a.m. It's like the daytime still. It's the new day, like whatever, blah, blah. Shit, that's not that's still nighttime. It is night, yeah. But she's cause she said when she went out, it was still dark. It was still dark. And um when she went to meet him, um, and he offered to pick her up, and so she did. They ended up getting parked, they ended up parking in a secluded area, and then he asks her if she's a virgin. And then she says, we and we're also gonna find a common theme. Um, he said she says, and this is the part that's like this really hurt my heart and this is probably like the sad i mean all these stories are sad but this one really got to me because you see this so much in sexual assault victims but she said that she was not a virgin but not by choice that she had been sexually assaulted by an Mm ex-boyfriend so vanity this is according to her vanity when told that seemed genuinely upset and told her that he hated guys like that he's like oh i hate it when guys do that like that's awful but then proceeded to sexually assault her. Um, so then after she told him, you know, and this actually like is not uncommon to hear. Like, I think there's a lot of women who have been victims of sexual assault who've probably been through this. Um, I remember like, I remember like I told, um, do you remember Michael? Mm-hmm. I told Michael mm-hmm. about an incident when I had been sexually assaulted and Mm -hmm. he was very like blase about it and then wanted to talk about like sexy stuff afterwards and i was like i just divulged i was like i just divulged a very personal thing i was very vulnerable with you and you want to be like a pervert i don't know what is up with that because it's freaking pervert sorry um sorry not to make about me back to back to bell um so then yeah so then after telling him to after telling him this he then grabs her breasts and forces her to have oral sex with him. Um, he covered her nose so she couldn't breathe. What yeah. on earth? Um, and she's like trying to push him away. She's like, you know, she's, and she told him like, I didn't like it. Um, and then, but then he forced her to do it. And then afterwards he hugged her and told her that that's how BDSM works. No. I, I'm not even anywhere near the BDSM community, and I know enough to know that that's not how that shit works. Yeah. Well, it gets worse. Um, so this relationship between Belle and Davey Vanity was ended up ended up being reported on this website called, well, I don't know if it's web, it might have been like a Tumblr page, called BOTDF is Garbage Core. Um, and it's basically like where people were posting these allegations. And they which i think is completely unethical like regardless of your intention like what they did next is completely unethical and i can't believe they did that but they apparently uploaded screenshots of text messages between bell and davy vanity which bell had shown a friend um that she thought she had trust that she thought she could trust um she showed her like screenshots and then this friend sent them to this website or this page and so it was just like unethical on both ends yeah, that's yeah. Up. like what a terrible friend um yeah but davy got caught wind of this and was furious of course and said he was going to come after her so he threatened her um and then so that's like so that 
is like there's other also other allegations I'll bring up, but this is kind of like a pattern with Davy Vanity. Um, he would also promise like he would the, another way that he would he allegedly lured girls was promising fans jobs on tour. So these so these girls that wanted to you know be tour managers, be in the recording industry, um, you know, or like artists who wanted to like make merch. Um, he would promise so allegedly he would promise these fans jobs on tour or like being merch girls you remember like merch girls yeah mm-hmm. so like merch girls um and then kind of like luring them in with that promise of like getting involved on in his tour um so he would so allegedly he would dangle these little you know these little experiences that i mean at 14 years old like 15 years old who doesn't want to go on tour with their favorite band like it just right and then would assault them and then other some incidences included uh, a girl, a uh, one woman was allegedly assaulted in a closet, um, and this woman's family was struggling financially, like their water had been turned off, and told Davy Vanity this, and in exchange for sex, offered to help pay the water bill. Um, so little things like what yeah, the so like fuck? little things like that. Um, also. Connected to what you were talking about, when Will Francis, when the accusations towards Will Francis first came out, Davy Vanity was one of the first people to uh, come to yeah. defense. I saw that. That came up in my research. Yeah. I was like, okay, a fucking course. Yeah. Which kind of quest- puts into question Will Francis' credibility as well. Eh. Yeah. If you have yeah. a known predator yeah. um, backing you up, that's does, that does nothing yeah. to help your case. Um. Also, according to the Huffington Post, there was also one young woman who allegedly was anally raped in a hotel room. This happened in Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, yes. shit. And uh, was forced to watch her rape in the mirror. Um, was also noticed that two women passed out on bed. The fuck is... Yes. Also, there was an incident with Ty Burns. Um, which there's a picture of Ty Burns and Davy Vanity on the internet. Ty Burns was 15 years old at the time of the alleged assault, but in this picture, Kristen, I wish I had taken it and sent it to you, because, my God, that girl had braces. She. I'm look it up. She looked like. Oh my God! Like she looks like a young, like she looks like she's 14 years. Old. I don't. I don't know. I'm just like I can't imagine looking at that face and being like I don't know it's, ugh. I was like that poor baby um oh, I can't find a picture never mind I'll look for it later um so um so their relationship started through Facebook Messenger so she was 15 years old when she started communicating with Dave Vanity through Facebook um and in two th- January 2012, they ended up meeting in, like, a mall in her hometown with Davy Vanity. Um, so they went to the mall. They, like, hung out at Spencer's, you know, whatever. And then after the mall, he forced her to perform oral sex. And they also, like, declared love for each other in messages, as we saw with your case. Um, There's mm-hmm. a lot of, like, love bombing um and that was actually another common theme in a lot of these allegations as well like there was a lot of declarations of love going on um Mm -hmm. this is where do you remember that documentary abducted in plain sight yes i kind of got this vibe 
from some of these victims where like I don't know I'm thinking like if I'm a predator I'm trying to fly under the radar as much as possible like I'm not trying to get parents involved and a lot of these allegations involved parents like these like a lot of things were happening where you ask yourself how could a parent allow this yeah but it's but then i thought back to that documentary of of dog in plain sight where it's like if someone is charming enough because that's the whole that's the whole thing like of of like a psychopath or a sociopath or or whatever the term is of someone who is so Mm -hmm. manipulative that they can they can make you feel like your daughter is safe around them or your child is safe around them so Mm -hmm. because i don't know like or maybe you know I don't know like it's just and also like you know in the I don't know what goes on in the mind of a predator where it's like you maybe you as a predator like you hone in on people's weaknesses and maybe yeah maybe you kind of like if you're a predator like you're going to go for the kid who maybe doesn't have a parent who's always physically present or maybe you have a parent that maybe is like an alcoholic or maybe you have a parent where it's like you know if I try to charm them this way then they'll they'll think that you know i'm not that bad of a guy but during spring break um ty ended up being invited to davy vanity's home in arizona remember we mentioned von monroe had said that he had they had lived with in arizona with davy vanity and davy vanity had a tendency to invite young women to his house so um the, she went along with her mom and her brother and somehow Dave Vanity convinced the mom the mom and the brother to stay in the living room um while Ty stayed in Dave Vanity's room and there was also wait they spent the night yeah, and then for a whole week what for a whole fuck? week spring break the week of spring break and then was she was expected to perform all her sex twice a day um what the but so this actually but there's also there are also other cases that i was reading that mentioned this too like there was one young woman who said that um he had offered her a job as a merch girl and he had offered her to stay in his hotel room to kind of look through the merch and or trying to organize the merch and the girl was there with her mom so the mom was kind of just like sitting there while this girl was like organizing the merch and then it got late and the girl was still working on the merch so Dave Vanny was like, you know, why don't you stay here? Why don't you spend the night and your mom can go back to her hotel? And oh, somehow no. Davy Vanity convinced her mom that it was okay to leave her alone in this hotel room with him. And they interviewed her mother and her mother said, he just had a way of making you feel so comfortable that you really felt like this is just a young guy trying to help this girl out. Um, okay, but like, I'm sorry, but even if the guy might had good intentions, I just feel like uh, I just feel like as a parent, your instinct would would never be to leave your young child with a strange man. Like, I get it. I get what I understand what she's saying. And I understand that like this, you know, Dobby Vanity is the first person to have like charmed a parent. But what's missing for me is I don't understand like I just feel like that's automatic that like regardless of what 
he's trying to do. I just feel yeah. like you wouldn't leave your child with a, someone you don't know. Yeah. And that's where I'm like... But also, mm. I mean, and I don't want to victim shame. I don't want to victim shame these parents. I don't want to victim shame the, yeah. the, the people. But again, maybe it's one of those predatory things where it's like, you hone in on... You have... You're such a good analyst of people's behavior and people's... You know what I'm saying? Like, that you kind of know who you can pull that crap with and who you can't. Because, I mean... True. I mean, not to say that these people were bad parents. Like, I'm not trying to put that out there. But when I, I'm like thinking, I wonder how Davy Vanity would have convinced my mother to let me. Same with mine. Yeah, because I, I remember when I was a cheerleader, I had a male coach and my mom, just by the fact that I had a male coach, was like, I don't like that. Why is a man? Yeah. Why is a man, a grown man interested in coaching a bunch of teenage girls? Which is not a reason to just assume that someone's a predator. Was she right in this yeah. case? She was. She was right in this case. She Remember? was? Oh, yeah! Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. she was very right. The, the first mm. and only time my mom ever came to a cheerleading event for me, she was like, I don't like that guy. So, and my mom didn't trust, my mom didn't trust anybody. Like, I wasn't allowed to sleep over. Um, I was, you know, I wasn't allowed to sleep over people's houses. I wasn't allowed to be alone. Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to be alone with, like, uncles. The only person I was allowed to be yeah. alone with was my dad and my brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, and even, and even, you know, and even then my mom would tell me sometimes like, you know, I love your dad and I know your dad hasn't done anything to hurt you, but even, even with your dad, I'm still careful. Like mm-hmm. my mom would still, I don't know. Like, it was just like, it's interesting. Cause it's kind of like, maybe Davey Vanity knew like who, he, who, who, who was more trusting, I guess. Like who would be more trusting? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Mm-hmm. so i don't know man it's like the mind of a predator like i don't know so yeah. but yeah um yeah and so when talked when asked about ty bon monroe said that davy vanity passed ty off as a family friend um and so he they were living at the house when this was going down and they said in the back of my head, I was like, you're way too nice to strangers. But it wasn't a matter of him being nice for the sake of being nice. He had something he wanted. And I realize that now. The two were off, were sneaking off together. Mm-hmm. So I guess the question, I'm almost done. I guess the question is, how could this happen? Um, those that know Davey Vanity have said that he is a master manipulator that puts on this face of like this happy goofy scene kid and honestly like when you look at davy vanity i mean he looks like a troll doll but like he looks like one of those like you know those troll dolls but he looks young Mm -hmm. he doesn't look like when i was looking at his pictures even his recent pictures he did not look 35 34 like he definitely Mm. took advantage of that whole like young spirit thing you know it kind of it kind of makes you forget that you're talking to because like if you're a 13 14 15 year old girl and you're talking to a guy who's on your level talking to you because also like if you're you know and you're in high school you know you're surrounded by adults but most likely you're surrounded by adults who act like adults and those are the people Mm -hmm. that are like telling you what to do those people kind of like bossing you around. And at that time, like all you want to do is all you want to do is have autonomy and have freedom. 
And if you like meet a guy who's like 35, but he doesn't act 35, you know what I mean? Mm. And he doesn't look 35, mm-hmm. like that's not going to raise any red flags to you. Like you're not, it's not going to raise flags that this 35 year old man is acting like a 20 year old. You know what I mean? Like, mm. but that's the thing. A 28 year old would probably be like, why is this man trying to hang out with kids? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that raises flags to the adults around him. But mm-hmm. if you're a kid, you're just kind of like, this adult's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Cause like seeing videos of him and how he, even like how he interacts with adults yeah. even. Like I've watched like interviews with him. I can definitely see that aspect of him having like childlike preteenish qualities. Yeah. Um that could get him in yeah. to like appeal to well like, he did an people. interview do you, do you know the watch mojo lady this is watch Mojo. yeah so there's an interview with uh with blood on the dance floor and watch mojo and the mm-hmm. interview is so cringe because it's this guy talking about it's you're in a band that all that you talk about is sex and he's trying to put some deeper meaning into his lyrics like he's trying to like sell his music as being deep like we're here for the kids blah 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 oh please and it's like, and then he's like, you know, we all talk about sex. We're all about sex, you know. But then he also, oh my gosh, Chris, you haven't seen this interview. It's such bullshit. It's like, he's <laughs> like, you know, we're what on the dance floor is all about the love. We're all about the love, just giving the love. And I was like, dude, your lyrics are trash. Like, yeah, what you talk about is violent sex. You're not talking about love. It's awful. Yeah, yeah, don't play us like we're stupid. We know. But it's like, yeah, looking at him at first, I was kind of like, this guy's just inarticulate. This guy just is an idiot but but yeah reading this about how he just puts on this face of like this goofy kid it's like yeah well that would you talking to talking to someone like that you don't view that person as a threat so i kind of yeah i'm like i kind of get that um and then uh oh odessus hudson hudson i mentioned before uh mm-hmm. i think they i don't know if it's a male or female but they sold merchandise for Blood on the Dance Floor and briefly lived with a band in San Diego. Um, they said, you meet him and he just charms you. He charms everybody that he meets. That's what's scary. Um, but of course, mm. there was a different different side to Davey Vanity. And he's also been noted as being having a really bad temper. Um, so his former, mm. victi- so his former victims um, and friends have said that he would scream at bandmates in front of the fans were threatened to fire the people or like maybe like um roadies or whatever and then him and his uh fans have actually have also attacked the women online they've been called sluts they've been called whores and he also found different ways to control people in his life like we saw with von monroe's money um you know controlling them in life so uh the last thing i wanted to mention was the Jesse Slaughter cyberbullying case, which mm. do you? I remember. Hearing oh, you did some stuff about this, yeah. So I didn't know about this at all, but the YouTube video that came of it came from it. I do remember. Um, so I didn't know this, but the case involved an eleven-year-old girl, Jessica, named mm-hmm. Jessica Leonhart who on the internet went by Jesse Slaughter or Curly Girl 13. Um, and so they would put out videos of profanity that went viral um, on Stick'em, which I don't know what that is, but also YouTube in 2010. So... Yeah. It's like Twitch, like modern-day oh, okay. Twitch. Okay. 
Um, so they ended up making some videos that were made in a response to some accusations that were made about that, that one of her friends had raped her. There was also allegations that she had a relationship or sexual relationship with Davey Vanity. Uh, once these videos went viral, um, Leonhart and actually, yeah, Leonhart and their family began to get harassed over the internet. They began, they, uh, began to receive phone calls. Uh, most of this harassment came from 4chan users, which does not surprise me. And also mm. members of the group An- Anonymous. I thought they were like good guys. Yeah, why are they backing Blood of the Dance Floor? Um, or Dobby Vanity? Uh, but yeah, so there were members from the group Anonymous. Leonhardt ended up doing an inter- interview with The Independent to talk about this, like, years later. But um, they said, I couldn't even call what happened to me cyberbullying. It was straight-up harassment and stalking. It started out as cyberbullying, but it quickly evolved. Um, so those are Leonhardt's words about the incident. Um, there harassment got so bad that Leonhart ended up uploading a video that would include their father, Gene Leonhart, mm. um, with Gene Leonhart th- insulting and threatening the 4chan users um, that posted this private information about Leonhart, which ended up becoming the viral video, You Done Goofed, which I remember, mm-hmm. and I had no idea how to do yeah. with this. Um, but a a transcript of this video, I'm just going to read a part of it. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now. This is from her father. You bunch of lying, no good punks. And I know who it's coming from because I backtraced it. And I know who's emailing and who's doing it. And you've been reported to the cyber police and the state police. You better not write one more thing or screw with my computer again. You'll be arrested. End of conversation from her father. And if you come near my daughter, guess what? Consequences will never be the same. You lying bunch of pricks. So the video, which again was called You Done Goofed, um, received over a million views on YouTube in just one week. Uh, I remember, like you said, you know, we remember this video going viral. Um, I had no idea that it had to do with this. It it just kind of seemed like this guy, this ridiculous guy that had no idea how the internet worked, had no idea how the law works like it just kind of seemed i don't know like it just didn't put two and two together and at the time yeah it was shared because it was funny you know what mm-hmm. i mean and i don't think a lot of people realize that it had anything to do with david vanity at least i didn't yeah i didn't either i didn't know at it the was time. just like it just kind of seemed I, like some dad some idiot dad responding to trolls you know yeah yeah and so unfortunately this video and also their dad's reaction kind of fucked up things even more. Um, so basically, um, yeah. So basically like it just kind of made life worse for Leonhardt and their family. Um, Mm. unfortunately in March, 2011, uh, Leonhardt's father, Gene was arrested for abusing Leonhardt in this, um, an art in an argument, where Leonhart was punched um, in the face was mm-hmm. documented as having bloody and swollen lips. Um, you know, this was documented in a police report. Then Jean, uh, so while in the custody at the police station, while in custody at the police station, Jean ended up having a heart attack. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, this was in early 2011. 
So then Leonhardt's family. So Leonhardt had to be put in police protection and also their family home was put under surveillance. Um, so Davy Vanity, of course, denied allegations. They denied knowing her, any of their victims, uh, chalked it up to mental illness on their part. Um, and wrote, you done goof. Remember the song I read, I read to you, wrote that song about them. That's really gross. Um, so Leonhardt came out as transgendered and non-binary in 2018 and Mm -hmm. their official name is now Damien Leonhardt. Um, and ended up posting on Tumblr in 2018 about the relationship they had with uh, Davy Vanity when they were 10 years old. Oh my yeah. God. So guess, cause remember the video came out when they were 11. Mm. Um, and then a year later, the 21 women would come out, um, you know, making similar claims. Um, and in an interview with Chris Hansen, in the Have a Seat with Chris Hansen, Leon Hart was described by Chris Hansen as being victim zero. So kind of, yeah. you know, where it all started. Although wow. there were also claims that there are also, I don't know, there are also people that have come, like there's also allegations against Davy Vanity from before he was even in Blood on the Dance Floor. Like I read an article where there was an allegation where this was when he because in my space before blood on the dance floor in 2006 he was known as davy the hair god Mm. um because he was like a hairstylist so i don't know but the whole thing is so fucked up um but yeah yeah i mean that's i mean the fbi are investigating i know that when you know making cases like this i mean like look how long it took to take down r kelly like Mm-hmm. You know, the F- I mean, but the FBI is currently investigating. Like they've, but it takes time to collect evidence, and you know they need to make sure that if they're gonna put someone away, they have to put them away. Yeah, you know that they have the concrete evidence to do it. But yeah, I mean, my my sources came from Vice, um, MetalSucks.net, the Huffington Post, um, and Wikipedia. So, I'm after listening to your story. I'm like, I definitely detected parallels between yeah. Dobby Vanity and William Control. Yeah. Like, especially with the really <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um, so especially with like the as the aspect of like financial control, like you were saying earlier, um, and also blaming mental illness and saying like oh it's oh they're just mentally ill like they don't know what they're talking about um and using that as a scapegoat and then also using bdsm uh as a cover for their their shenanigans and their abuse yeah i think for me what was probably the biggest i think for me what was the most impactful thing was that I think I think you know I've talked about this a lot, but um, as I was reading about it, it kind of happened again. Where it's like, you know, I mean, Blood on the Dance Floor was were they my favorite band? Absolutely not. But 
I mean, I think as we get as we get older, we kind of realize that a lot of the people that we liked weren't always the best people. And I don't know, yeah. I think it was just kind of like, you know, these girls, when they were being abused, were not that much younger than us. Like, we, I don't know, it, to think that, honestly, like, it could have been any of us, you know, because... It's true. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, my go-to guys were, like, Pete Wentz from Fall Out Boy, Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance, Joel Madden from Good Charlotte, like, and no, no allegations have been made about them, but I think about, like, at the time, like, I was so, I mean, I want, I thought Pete Wentz and I were going to get married. Like, I, like, I was obsessed. And when I think about how if Pete Wentz would have texted me at five in the morning or started emailing me on Facebook or messaging me on Facebook Messenger, I would have responded in a heartbeat. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have viewed him as a predator. Like you view the your you view your dad's creepy friend as a predator. You don't view the cute guy who can have any girl that she wants, any girl that he wants, like as a predator. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and there's like, I feel like, and it's just scary to think like how accessible yeah. they are to yeah. you because, like, I was, I was thinking like. I recall, like, when I was in high school, um, we used to have... I don't know if you ever, like, went with me to the shows at the um, the community center that's in the city where we live. I think I went um, to one or two. Yeah. And, like, there was a band... I'm not going to name them because they... It's not... They There was a band that performed there a few times and, like, we made friends with them. Like, these were grown-ass men. And we made friends with them. And, like, after the show, we, like, met up, met with them. And, like, we're talking and stuff. And, yeah. Well, like, we were – we didn't leave the location. We were at the – we were still at the community center. But after the show, we stayed back and, like, talked to them um, for quite some time. And um, a couple months – I think, like, either a couple months later or something like that. Oh, and we also, like – took pictures um like cute little like pictures with their band name and they put on their myspace and like a couple months later i went to a concert with um i don't know a mutual friend i went to a concert and the guy the basis from um no it was it's her name starts with an a but it's somebody else uh that we you know a y a l okay we were in we were in band together, um, and we went to a show, and the basis of that band was there. And mind you, I was fourteen, and he was there at the bar. And I ran into—I guess I ran into him. I was like, "Oh, hey!" And I was literally just sitting with him, chilling at the bar, fourteen, talking to this like thirty-year-old man. Mind you, nothing happened because I, I remembered specifically like. Um, again, this was like in the beginning of the iPhone days. Why have I never so he heard had a- about this? You've never told me the story. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, nothing weird happened. We were literally sitting at the bar for like 20 minutes just talking. And I was like amazed at his iPhone because I'd never seen like a smartphone before. Um, oh but I think about that sometimes because I think about how if this guy wasn't like, if this guy was like, he could have taken it, he could have easily taken advantage of the fact yeah that I was some dumbass 14-year-old talking to a 30-year-old at the bar, um, not knowing any better. Um, well, I shouldn't say I'm, I was a dumbass, because I was a child. 
Um, and I didn't know any better. And so if someone like that, like, and thankfully he wasn't a creep or anything like that, nothing happened at all, but he could have easily been a creep. And just to think that these type of guys were like so accessible to us when we were young, that this type of shit could have easily happened. Cause I have another quick story where again, nothing happened, but I was with, I was with some of my friends at the community center and one of my friends, um, she was a little, she was a little, uh, she, she was a little, she was a little enthused about talking to them. Um, and if they were creeps, they would have easily invited us onto their tour yeah. bus. And cause she was trying and we, they could have easily been like, Oh, like, why don't you come hang out with us on the tour bus or whatever? And thankfully, they knew we were children um, and didn't do it. Um, So, but again, this stuff is easy. It's easy to meet up, you know, be around these type of dudes. And it's very easy to get caught up in that type of mess. Yeah, and I mean, it sucks because, I mean, it's really hard to be a 15, 14-year-old girl with with high self-esteem enough where you have such, I don't know, like, you have such high self-esteem that you don't need validation from others like it's I mean it takes people mm-hmm. a lifetime to get to that point so I you know when you're a 13 14 year old girl like all you want to do is be told that you're beautiful you know all you want to do mm-hmm. is feel special and then you have the lead singer of your favorite band or the bassist of your favorite band tell you first of all you worship the ground that they walk on and then mm. you feel special because you really, in your mind, you're like, this guy could have anybody that he wants because he's a rock star. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. they tell you, they're the ones to tell you that you're special. They're the ones to tell you that you're very mm. mature for your age and that boys your age don't know what they want. You know what I mean? Like, like, oh, an older man appreciates you, appreciates you for what mm-hmm. you are. And then it's like, you want to do whatever you need to do to keep that going. And that's yeah. why for me, it's just like, that's what's really hurts is that like you take advantage of someone that just like absolutely adores you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's, I mean, I don't know. Like there's something very sinister yeah, about it because it's, you're, you're not only playing on the naivety of a child, but also someone who worships you. I don't know. Like someone who's been sucked into yeah who your onstage persona is and it's kind of like i don't know and we're hearing more and more stories of these band dudes who who've been taking advantage of that who've been taking advantage of the fact that their their young fans are are you know like you said worship the ground they walk on and they they take that and they take advantage of it and you even see it with like um the youtube generation there's a lot of youtubers out there um who take advantage of that fame um, and use it to abuse young people. Yeah. And it's just really, really fucked up. Yeah. And I'm sad. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> um, okay. Let's say our hoorays and then let's end this because we are, we are about to go. We're like about to be three hours. Yeah. Uh, if you're still with us, thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> we appreciate you. Longest episode ever. Um <laughs> You can go first. Okay. Um, I don't really have any a lot of happy things to say because this week has sucked balls. But um, the CrossFit Open Games are starting on Friday. 
I'm cool cool because I actually didn't I don't think it was going to be as performative as apparently it is like oh like you're going to be in front of a crowd be judged oh wait really I thought that you were just doing it at home no it's like at my gym and there's gonna be people there and there's gonna be wait when is it I kind of want to go uh it's (laughs) so it's actually three actually if you want you can come with Ivana It'll be, um, I think it's the first weekend of March. Or the, I'm going to go. the second weekend of March. She's she's going to go. Um, but that will be the last one. So you can come cheer me on for my last one. Um, okay. But Well, good luck. Thanks. I'm really scared. I'm really nervous. Everyone says it's like the best thing about being in CrossFit. It's like the best event of the year. But mm-hmm. I'm scared. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. But I know you can do it. You can do yeah. it. I, I just like, and I'll be there cheering you on. I'm just scared because I don't know. Like, I mean, I know I shouldn't feel this way. Maybe it's just because I'm in my feels, but I just feel like I don't know. Like, I'm chubby, and I'm sometimes mm. when I'm doing like things at CrossFit. On one hand, I do feel like a badass, but on the other hand, I'm like, what do I look like to other people? Like, I feel like I'm just like, uh, sometimes it feels like I'm like a a seal flopping about. Mm. because also like I'm yeah. very ungraceful like I'm not I'm very ungraceful and it's just I don't know when I look at myself like because I think in CrossFit like recording yourself working out is like a thing because it to check on form mm-hmm. or whatever and so sometimes like I'll be in people's recordings and I look at myself and I'm like I look ridiculous like I'm over here struggling and mm. I don't know so and I know that's not what it's about and I know I have to tell myself that I know that's just like my depression and my anxiety and you know mm. all the things that create someone with low self-esteem but I have to tell myself like it, that's not what it's about like and also I just started like I don't even have a year of doing it and this really is like mm. I'm doing this cross open games thing because I feel like it'll be really good for my self-esteem I think it'll be really yeah. good just for my self-confidence to like do something outside of my comfort zone but I am absolutely terrified I'm scared <laughs> um so I don't know, but I'm also really looking forward to it because, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like a, I don't know, like, my gym made shirts, because, and we're, oh, yeah, and nice. then we're team, whatever the name of the gym is, and um, I'm just kind of, I don't know, it's really cool because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm part of a team, I don't know, which is yeah. nice, so that's my highlight, is, um, and also my running is going good, and Heck I, yeah. oh, and I lost a pound, so, Hell yeah. Well, I just want to say that I know you think you look a certain way, but I promise you that people are not looking at you like yeah. that. But if they are, fuck. But but most of the time, as as you probably know, our perceptions of ourselves are way more harsh than other people's perceptions of yeah. us. So, but I know that's e- obviously easier no, to hear right. than to I like, mean, you're right. like take nobody in. Yeah. at the gym like nobody's really looking at you. Anyway, yeah, so. yeah. All right, what's your thing? Oh gosh, I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I have one. I'm just gonna repeat what I said earlier, okay. um, in that I oh well, I've been eating more fiber. There you Good. go. I realized that I've been fiber deficient, um, and I've been slowly but surely putting in uh, more fiber into my diet. And I've also been consuming some Metamucil, um, which I've heard is good for your cholesterol, your blood sugar, and your heart and stuff Mm. like that. Um, 
So I'm continuing on my journey of uh, self-care. Um, so I still I need to work on eating enough vegetables a day. Um, but yeah, Good. that's that. I'm getting getting the fiber in. I'm trying to get the fiber in to like like um, through food as well, not just the Metamucil. But that's something I'm doing. Good. That's the high point. I'm glad. <laughs> get your fiber in. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess this is where we end. Yep. Uh, like I said before, if you have somehow made it this far, <laughs> you're a rock star. And if we had a Patreon, you would be at like the top tier getting a shout out, free shirt. We don't have any of that shit. But I'm just saying, if that were the case, you'd be a rock star. Uh, so I hope all of you got something out of our discussion today. Um, hope everyone is well and that you're continuing to be safe. And we'll see you in the next one. Yep. So stay spooky.